Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Yeah, all aboard. All aboard the panic bus. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Gary Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker with you until 11 o'clock today. We have an elongated show because Tim McKernan is getting a root canal, so we'll be with you until 11. Right now, it's just 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Gary Davis. How are you doing? I'm good morning, sir. How are you? Um doing better than the blues well yeah yeah we all are i think yeah if you're outside driving in this weather please Ooh, yeah. drive safely it's it's foggy out you know low visibility how was the drive Don't in speed. from st charles county it was uh i couldn't see <laughs> <laughs> i could see the taillights in front of me which was good enough so yeah it was uh it was it was especially you know it's dark and and you know it's hard to see when it's this foggy. So if you're driving, drive safely. Be careful. Matthew Rocchio has a great story about driving in the fog. The very first night I ever had my driver's license, 16 years old, I was driving my parents' green Dodge station wagon in fog just like this from Creve Court <laughs> to Chesterfield Mall. And that was no way to be driving on your very first night with a driver's license. But I'm here now. I made it, so I'm all right. I got That's a, not smart. I got another one for you. Me and my, my friends and I left. One of my friends played in the in the uh, All Star game in San Francisco. I forget which one it was. It was the, maybe the Shrine game back in two thousand and two ish. After the game, we decided, you know what, we're going to go to Vegas. <laughs> so we drive from San Francisco to Vegas, and and Randy, we were on a two lane road. It was this. It was it was two o'clock in the morning. I could not see anything in front of me, and I look, I'm driving, and I look behind me and to the side of me, and it's four people sleep, and I'm like, oh, we're, we ain't gonna make it, and they ain't gonna know. <laughs> my, my my story is really similar to Carrie's. I'll just put it this way: Do not ever plan to drive through the Smoky Mountains from 2 a.m. Oh, to 4 no. a.m. in the early spring. No, and also have somebody else awake in the car because yes. that was my situation. 2 a.m. Smoky Mountains, fog thicker than could be. Yeah. I could barely see any taillights around me and no one else in the car was awake and I was nodding off and yeah. I'm lucky I'm here in 2022 yeah. ladies and gentlemen I, I, the good thing about people being asleep is they couldn't tell how afraid I was oh. I, I was shaking <laughs> white knuckling the white knuckling the steering wheel terrified but I got us there I got us there and we yeah. arrived alive and everything was good we'll see if the blues can get there the panic bus is up and running and by the way we want your mic drops with the 101 ESPN app are you on the panic bus right now because the keys are in the ignition and it's it's warmed up and ready to rock and roll so we want your mic drops. If you're on the Blues Panic Bus, how you feeling today? Uh, text as we go along during the course of the show. 65780 is the number for the Air Comfort Service text line. Last night, Madison Square Garden, the Blues having lost three in a row coming in. And they're actually down after a period by a score of 2-1. to one. But Vladimir Tarasenko ties it. Trocek comes back to give the Rangers a lead again. Jordan Cairo scoring for the Blues to give them uh, another tie. And then Ryan O'Reilly, of all people, coming through. Shen down low, gets it back, shoots it on. O'Reilly, he scores! Ryan O'Reilly's been on the hunt all night, and he finds the puck on the top of the crease. 
Blues lead 4-3, 7.25 to go, second period. Their first lead of the game. It was 4-3 Blues. After two periods, we go to the third. 4.48 is the time for Kevin Miller to score for New York. Oh, I, I messed up. It was up Kevin Miller. Line. New York walks that line. Miller shoots and scores. Pareko, rather Achari, breaks his stick on the post. That one's frustrated Bennington. He thought he had it, and then he looked behind him, and it was in. We're tied 4-4. And then things spiraled downward. Lafreniere scoring for the Rangers at the 8-16 mark. They get an empty netter, a shorthanded goal, rather, at the 14-04 mark to make it 6-4. And that was the final, and the Blues have lost four in a row. They have lost six of seven now, Gary. Uh, and, and and how many games in a row have they given up three goals in a period? Is Pretty it five? Substantial, Is it five yeah. now in a row? 14, I think, on the season. That is a problem. <laughs> that yeah. is a—I a, mean— a, a, it's a problem. It is. It, I don't know if it's the problem, but it is a huge problem. And to to not put yourself in a position to win games, you're up four to three, and you allow three goals yep. in a period. That's maybe that is the problem. Just not the the not the ability to finish. And and I was at, I was telling you, they seem like a team that just does not believe good things should mm-hmm. happen to them. And and when you are a bad team. You will find a way to lose the game. And conversely, when you're a good team, you find ways to win. And right now, they are a bad team finding ways, multiple ways, to lose games each night. When Craig Berube took over the team in 2018, they played similar to this. Wasn't really as bad. But one prevailing thought throughout the course of the time leading up to January was the team is mentally fragile. And you see last night, you see the Miller goal, and things just seemed to spin out of control. It was really disheartening if you're a Blues fan and disheartening for their head coach, Craig Berube. A little bit tentative in the third, you know. We had the lead and just didn't come out and um, really push enough, you know. We were uh, a little bit of a tentative hockey team when things, you know, were on the line tonight, that's all. And, you know, uh, you know, Benner too, you know, everybody. You know, I think, you know, just got to... We got the lead. We got to go and you know play with confidence. And right now we're a little, you know we're not a confident hockey team. Thought we played two great periods, controlled the game, did a lot of real good things. But you know the third when it's on the line, you know we didn't play with confidence. And that's what it's all about. And by the way, I will not back off of my statement that they physically just don't match up with other teams right now either. They, they really don't have much in between. Butchnevich is superb, but the, there aren't many guys that are in that 24 to 30-year-old prime area. The, their most expensive players are all 31, 32 years old, and then you have Kairou and Thomas at the bottom end of that spectrum, and the people that are within that realm, Colton Braco, not playing really well, is one of those guys. Up front, uh, uh, uh Tough night for Ivan Barbashev last night with a bad giveaway. Yeah, that was a tough one. Yeah, and, and so I, I know people will be frustrated about that turnover and, and allowing the goal to happen. That's a mistake. Like that's something that you know it happens. You don't you don't you don't beat up a guy about that because he he didn't try to do it. It, it was a mistake. You you you. It's like fumbling the football. Obviously, you want to take care of it, but it was a mistake. And and you understand that that led to a goal and that put you in a position to to lose the game, but. 
I don't. There's not in just as I say in football. There's not one specific play that you can say, "Oh, that lost us the game." It's a multiple, multiple, multitude of plays that that throughout the entire game that caused you to lose that game. That one play obviously cost us a goal, but it's not why you lost the game. And right. and so, you know, people might be upset, want to beat them up for that. Okay, I get it. But at the end of the day, there were more opportunities to win that game, and the Blues did not take advantage of it, and the Rangers did. Blues and Islanders tonight, 5.30 pregame, 6.30 faceoff here on 101 ESPN. If you went to bed during the middle of the third quarter of the Buccaneers-Saints game, we don't blame you. <laughs> it was 16-3 to before Tom Brady led his team on a touchdown drive. 10 plays, 91 yards, 221, 16-10 with three minutes left. The Saints go three and out. Brady leads his team on a touchdown drive. 11 plays, 63 yards, 226, a six-yard touchdown pass to Rashad White. And that, by the way, was three plays after the Buccaneers thought they had scored and a holding penalty negated a touchdown. And the Buccaneers win at 17-16 and a great night for Tom Brady. I was telling at you least this. A, a great eight minutes for a Tom great, Brady. A great way to finish the game. I was telling you this earlier. When the when the Bucks go down to score and make the game 16-10, uh, to 10, they're down by a touchdown. As an offensive player, you know there are two minutes, three minutes left in the game. The team has uh, three timeouts, I believe, two or three timeouts. You know you have to get a first down. That is the the you cannot put your defense back on the field in that moment with with two minutes or, or or just under two minutes to for the for the probably the greatest quarterback to play this game to have an opportunity mm-hmm. to go win the game. As an offense, I know we have to get at least one first down, preferably two, and the game is over. And so that's that last drive for the Saints, you get a you get a three yard run by Alvin Kamara. Then you get a eight a ten yard sack that was really bad. of Andy Dalton. You you get if you're the quarterback in that moment, you know. Now taking the sack is better than throwing the ball away because it saved the opposing team the timeout. But as the head coach and the quarterback, you cannot have a play that all that allows you to get sacked for ten yards and now put you at third and seventeen or third and fifteen. It's absolutely ridiculous. And now. You have an opportunity, you throw an incomplete pass, you give the greatest quarterback back the football, and they go win the game. And everybody will be mad at the defense, but Mm -hmm. the offense in that moment is at fault. They were negligent, they did not take care of their part of the game, and therefore you lose the game. Yeah, that was really bad all around in terms of play calling and execution by the the Saints. And I said this this last week, the fact that Andy Dalton is still at quarterback is, 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 it's almost like they said the hell with it this year. They're going to go after a quarterback in the draft and maybe that's what they feel they need so there's no need to play Jameis Winston because he gives them a better opportunity to win. Even though he turns the ball over, Mm -hmm. he does throw the ball to his team as well for touchdowns. Andy Dalton does not. And here we are. And by the way, 21 plays, 153 yards in a little over four and a half minutes for Brady in those last two drives. It was amazing. A couple of signings yesterday in baseball. Trey Turner to the Phillies. Wait, wait, wait. Be a Cardinal. Some, car- some, some signings, signings baseball? in baseball. What do you Did think? it happen? You're happy? Hey! All right. Uh, yeah. All right, finally. Sunshine and Lollipop? Yeah. yeah. Trey Just Turner, 11 years, $300 million <laughs> from Philadelphia. <laughs> and Justin Verlander, two years, $86 million with... The New York Mets, so uh, the Mets have a couple of $43 million starting pitchers that are both in their late 30s or, in Verlander's case, 40s. So they'll be interesting to watch in 2023. 
You were saying three years yesterday for for Verlander. Yeah. He ended up getting two. Yeah, I'm surprised. Forty three a year. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. And my guess I would be the that, wrong sport, Randy. Yeah, you. I, I definitely did. <laughs> I think about that often. I, I, there's a point in my life where my mom said, "You can either do baseball or AAU basketball." Mom, you should have made me keep playing baseball. You should have <laughs> told me sorry, I got to keep playing baseball. You, I'm sorry. You had those two options, and your your option was I'm. Oh, take, I was a hooper. I'm gonna take C. I, but seriously, no. <laughs> I was a hooper. I, I took I took basketball. That, hooping would not have been a mistake. It was. I was I'm five ten. You're, you're a bench player. You. Made Fifteen million per yeah, year. Now. If you're six five, mm-hmm. I didn't get to six five. I got cousins that are that tall, <laughs> <laughs> but not me. Yeah. Germany got that special surgery. Uh, uh, out I, I did hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Chuck Nevitt? <laughs> get you good I don't remember good that. Point. Chuck Nevitt was the seven foot white guy in the end of the Pistons bench that waved oh. the towel all the time. <laughs> And made like six million a year there just to stand and wave a towel. Yeah, the guy, the, a good towel waver is an underrated part of NBA. Team and it's worth six million right? a year. Somebody you can make a lot of money. Yeah. Is, is there somebody who's going to fake like a, a, a Titanic thing while you while you go off for fifty points in the background? No, <laughs> if you need that chemistry to win a championship. Coming up on one hundred and one ESPN, where are you on the Blues panic bus? You can have the front row seat; it's available to you. the The engine has been started. The windshields are all dusted off and cleaned and ready to go, and the panic bus is ready to start rumbling. And you have a chance to get on it. Your mic drops are next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One, two, three, four. Over the years when the Blues have struggled and they weren't supposed to struggle, we developed the, the panic bus. And if you hop on the panic bus, that means you are ready to panic. And that's where we are with this year's Blues. They have 22 points through 25 games. Right now, Colorado has 27 points through 23 games. So the Blues are in a hole in terms of making the playoffs. Colorado right now holding the last wild card spot. And there's a lot of good reasons to be on the panic bus. But I'll tell you what, there's new passengers coming on all the time. I guess we'll have them there all the time. That's the great thing about sports. Yeah. So, uh, so we're, we're gonna we're gonna be on the panic bus for a while. I think it is. Um, it you know, it's getting loaded up. Yep. When we were going through that that eight game losing streak, I think there was a lot of panic. But but everyone was saying, oh, it's still early. It's not a big deal. And here we are, twenty five games in. Yep. <laughs> Life comes at you fast, Gary. Comes at you really fast. Yeah, <laughs> you lost six of the last seven. Like it, it is, it's not good, Randy. No, it's not good at it, all. It is. And let's get a, uh, a mic drop from Lee, who joins us here on 101 ESPN. Carrie, Randy. Longtime hockey player, grew up in Canada, played tons when I was young, and the first thing coaches taught us when we started to hit was you line up the stick on puck, and if you get beat with the puck, you make sure the man doesn't beat you too. It looks like flipping roller hockey out there. These guys skating backwards, if they get beat with a puck, there's almost no effort from 
90% of the team to make sure they put shoulder on body to slow up the man. That's fine if the puck beats you, but if the guy doesn't, he gets bumped out of the play, it slows him up, they can't continue. It, it's brutal. Defensively, it looks like they actively try and stick check, but have no effort to finish a check. I miss the days of open ice hitting because I tell you what, uh, a team from the 90s would make these guys look brutal. Uh, you know, I, I've uh, I've been skating, roller skating. I've mm -hmm. never been on ice skates. And so I would assume that, but I don't skate well. Like I'm kind of one of those trudge along mm -hmm. type of type of guys. Yeah. Like I, I and it's not very fluid at all. At times, that's how the hockey, that's how the blues seem. They seem like they're just sticking their stick out, yep. not moving their feet, not put as he said, not putting a body on anyone. I'm gonna stick this stick out there half heartedly, and if it if yeah if I knock the puck away, cool. But if you move your feet, if you actually skate to the body and close the space, guess what? That person can't continue to go and chase after the puck and then therefore put the puck into your net. And occasionally it happens. It's, it's, the, the issue here is consistent effort. And yeah. it's not like there's no effort. It's just consistent effort. And last night's another example of not being able to put together 60 minutes of effort. It is. It is. Effort is the one thing you control as an athlete, as a person. It's what... If someone is more talented than me, I, I have no control over that. If they're bigger than me, stronger than me, faster than me, there's not, God gave them something he didn't give me. Mm -hmm. I, I just have to tip my cap to him. But, he, but what I can be is, is I can give more effort and, and, and work harder. You're a professional hockey player. You're a professional athlete. You are obviously talented enough to be there. Your effort is what keeps you there. And when guys don't continue to get, give effort – opportunities start to start to dissipate. You start to lose those opportunities and don't. And other people that are giving better effort mm -hmm. tend to get more time on the ice, on the field, you know, more minutes in the basketball game, whatever the case may be, because you have to play harder in order to win games. From the 314, I'm standing at the station debating whether I should buy a ticket or not. I feel like we could still make a playoff push. We've done it before. There's nothing wrong with debating whether you should get on the panic bus, and there's plenty of room on the panic bus for you. So can you I, can wait it out a little bit, a couple more games if you so desire. Can I get the Jim Mora drop? Playoffs? Yeah. Don't talk about playoffs. Trying to win a game. I just want to win a game. <laughs> <laughs> we will get that. But we need to hear from our buddy Trent here on 101 ESPN. Oh, do we have? Good morning, fellas. No, I'm not on no panic bus. Uh, it, it, we're in the suck hard for Bedard stage. Uh, <laughs> maybe we can get something good out of this. Just keep losing, keep sucking. Maybe we get the next Connor McDavid. Who knows? <laughs> I guess there's a, a silver lining to everything. Yeah. If you do continue to lose, then, you know, there are some possibilities. It's not a guarantee. Unfortunately, based on Blues history, if they get into the draft lottery, they will not win the draft lottery. That is not something that has been afforded Blues fans is luck over the years. So, Except so what you maybe uh, Cogliano not scoring on a wraparound goal and stuff like that. <laughs> so what you're saying is you're going to stink the entire season and potentially not get a, a, the draft pick that you want. That would be my expectation based on 52 years of following <laughs> oh, the Blues. Yeah. My only argument against that is. They've let Buffalo get two in the last like six years. So you're saying we're due? I'm just so saying Buffalo has that, made the playoffs in the last ten. Yeah, I know, but I'm just, I'm just. And if anything, if you were, if you, here's the thing though. 
I've always believed if you because I hear I'm an NBA fan, so if you're gonna if you're gonna talk draft lottery um, conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. I'm gonna dive right on in, in in front of you. Here's the thing: what you do though is you get teams that are already good who just need one more player and are randomly somehow in the lottery for no apparent reason, and then you hand them, gift wrap them, oh, the for franchise example, player that sets them up. Like if you had a team that had, oh, maybe Mario Lemieux <laughs> set to come back and provide them with the, a generational player like Sidney Crosby, like that? Huh. And then just you know, top it off with you know the spot for Malkin, Malkin a yeah. year later. Yeah, not bad. I would not speak on anything Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> I plead the fifth. Right. I'm, just, I'm <laughs> just saying, you know, you, you freeze the envelope to get, you know, to get a certain senator the Knicks. You know, these, these are the things. These are the things you do. St. Louis is a good, nice little franchise. Hockey, hockey, crazy. Maybe uh, you know, slide them a nice little top top three pick there to make things happen. Okay. Hey, just a number one pick. <laughs> I'm not trying to get then, greedy, then, Randy. I'm not then, trying to get greedy. When you Boy, take, if you're going to do that, you yeah. you might as well be greedy. When you take the number one pick, if there's a Jonathan Taves there. You take him. Take him. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. They got to figure something out. Yep. I, I don't want to. I don't want to watch. Hockey season goes till playoffs start in May. Yeah. Hey, I don't want to watch this until April. If I if I don't have to, <laughs> I would prefer it be better. Let's hear from AA Ron. Yeah. What's it matter? Mosaic and the Cardinals are okay with being mediocre, and now the Blues are mediocre. So I guess they're just par for the course. Can you imagine if the Cardinals played like the Blues have played this season? Can you imagine? Oh, it would what? be it would be Cardinal it would fans be really bad. Cardinal fans are they're kind of entitled. I would say I don't think they understand what mediocre and average is. Listen, I, I say this often. I am an Illini. Mm-hmm. and this is a very good season for us. But I have dealt with years of mediocrity. And average and below, Randy, truthfully, below average. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to live in that world. If you're a Cardinals fan, you should be happy. You should be content. Not content. You should be You should be okay with the play that you get. And, and if you're a Blues fan, I understand. This is hard to watch. And it is hard to watch because of the, as I said, the effort that is given. I, I think there are spurts. There are times. And I don't think that guys are not trying hard. I think that there are times where guys just – just I don't know if they just don't stay tuned in or stay locked in for an entire sixty minutes, and and that seems to be the problem. They're not locked in for the no. entire sixty minutes. From the six three six, as we close out this segment, if they lose tonight, Armstrong better follow former Ron Caron GM Ron Caron's favorite saying: "The meat is on the burner." <laughs> it's a great one. Coming up, four downs from this weekend in the NFL on one hundred one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for four downs in the NFL. All right, CD. Who are the six rookies in NFL history with eight touchdowns in a four-game span? Well, you had Mike Shanahan products, Clinton Portis, and Mike Anderson of the Broncos. You could have plugged you in there and as Denver's lead back in that era, and you would have scored at least seven no in a four-game span, right? <laughs> then you have Hall of Famers Eric Dickerson, Randy Moss, and Edrin James. Before Sunday, those were the five NFL rookies that had ever scored touchdowns in a four-game span. Those 
were the ones. Three Hall of Famers, Mike Anderson, Clinton Portis. Well, add Packer rookie Christian Watson to the list. Yes, the same Packer who did, the same Packers who didn't draft a wide receiver in the first round, they took Watson in the second, and he's emerged as a weapon that has done something Devontae Adams never did. The Packers are going to have a high draft choice in 2023, but they don't need to spend it on a wide receiver. Yeah, they are. They are coming along. There were there was a lot of drops by Christian Watson earlier in the season. Notably, the first I want to say the first play of the game of the first game of the season where he dropped mm-hmm. the pass and should have been a touchdown. But he's starting to figure some things out. And that time that sometimes that takes time with rookie receivers, rookie players in general, just to figure out how to go about their business. Catching the football eventually comes back around. And yeah, I think he had a rushing touchdown he as well yesterday yards. on Sunday. So there there are he's starting to figure some things out and the and the Packers are starting to trust him more and he's starting to become that number one guy for Aaron Rodgers. <clears throat> Randy Lamar Jackson went down with an injury on Sunday. Um, and they still found, the, 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 the Baltimore Ravens still found a way to win the game. But the issue that I'm going to have or that I'm having, obviously the contract situation is unsettled. He's still looking for a, a, a contract extension, has not signed it. And now you're week to week with Lamar Jackson, your franchise player, your best player, the only player on that offense other than Mark Andrews. And you're trying to figure out a way to still win this division. You're leading the the division. Um, you're tied for the division with the Cincinnati Bengals. But as 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 Dion said in his his interview or his his uh, meeting with his team, the Bengals are coming. <laughs> they are on their way. They are right there. They are playing well. And you're putting yourself in a position if you're the Baltimore Ravens with your star quarterback now week to week, not knowing whether whether or not he's going to be able to play. Probably not this week, but maybe next week or the weeks to come. The Cincinnati Bengals are right there and are probably going to take over that lead of the division and and end up winning that division and potentially make a big playoff run uh, here in the near future. Yeah, we'll see how valuable, we already know how valuable Lamar Jackson is to the Den- to the Baltimore Ravens, but it'll be interesting to see who blinks because the reports are that he was offered more guaranteed money than Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson, but he wants the yeah. Deshaun Watson guarantee. Well, if you're the Ravens and you see the guy get hurt, you say, I don't know about giving him that guaranteed money. But if you're Lamar, you say, now you see how valuable I yeah. am to you guys. You better give me the guaranteed money. Yeah, I think it's, it, it, I don't think it matters. I think he's a franchise tag next year mm-hmm. and probably for the next two years. Going to make close to $100 million over those two years and then potentially be able to get a, the, the long-term deal that he's looking for. But it's unfortunate for him and it's unfortunate for this team because without him, they only scored 10 points. Now, they still won. They beat the Denver Broncos, who only scored nine. <laughs> but they are going to have to find a way to get some points on the board. And Tyler Huntley is not bad. If he plays mm-hmm. well, now you're really looking at an issue. Their defense is not as good as it has been in the no. past. And the big thing here, you mentioned them, is the Cincinnati Bengals. They get Jamar Chase back as Lamar gets hurt. Yeah, it's going to be uh, tough. Yep. You can do that again. Yeah. Kerry, if the playoffs started today, the Buccaneers would host the Cowboys. Would it really surprise you with Tom Brady's history and the Cowboys' history if Tampa would win a game like that? Not me. And in the second round, if Chalk prevailed in the first, Tampa would go to Philly. After last night, would you be surprised if Brady and the Bucks beat Philadelphia? Brady delivers numbingly consistent excellence. Last night was just another example. Fourth quarter down 16-3 to the Saints. A 10-play, 91-yard drive in 221, capped by a one-yard TD pass to Cade Otten. 
Kate Otten with three minutes left. 16-10 New Orleans. The Saints go three and out. Brady drives the buck 63 yards in 11 plays in 226. What would have been the eighth play of that drive was a five-yard TD pass to Chris Godwin. Nope. Holding on Donovan Smith. Three plays later, Tampa is in the end zone again. A six-yard TD pass to Rashad White. Rashad White with three seconds to go. What the guy did was epic. But he's 45. This is still legendary what Brady is doing. He's sixth in the league in passing yards per game. And this is the first time in his regular season career that he's rallied his team from a 13-point deficit in the fourth quarter. Of course, he did that in the 28-3 game. Sorry, Anthony Stalter. (laughs) But 45-year-old Tom Brady still gets it done. And if he winds up winning a couple playoff games, I won't be at all surprised. I don't think anybody will. The fact that they are still hanging on um, and leading that division, I mean, the division is playing terribly, but they are leading the vision right now at six and six he passed up uh Peyton Manning for all-time fourth quarter comebacks and and Mm -hmm. you said that is you know Tom Brady as much as you may dislike him as much as you may wonder why the hell he's still playing he still feels he can compete at a championship level and he is they are still finding ways to win games and doing amazing things and no I would not be surprised if he does great things in the playoffs and makes a run and CD in a couple of weeks, they get Alex Jensen, their starting center back. That is going to help him immensely. Yeah, sure will. <laughs> San Francisco 49ers, they lost Trey Lance early in the season, and that was fine. You got Jimmy G. Jimmy G has been their quarterback, taking them to playoffs, taking them to the Super Bowl. Jimmy G broke his ankle on Sunday, and now you have Brock Purdy in. Who? Mr. Irrelevant, the guy that was the last pick of the NFL draft. And they still were able to beat the Miami Dolphins, a team that I think is going to have an opportunity to make a playoff run. But my concern now is, are, is does Brock Purdy the, – the, the, I'll give you two things. One thing that, that really impressed me was the fact that Brock Purdy played so well being a backup quarterback, coming into a situation where when you don't get that, many, that, that, that number of reps during practice, you don't get that many looks during practice, you're the backup guy. You're usually doing scout team uh, work. But he's he's locked in on the game plan, knew what he needed to do, and they were able to win that game. Now my concern is he's Brock Purdy, and he's not Jimmy G, and he's not Trey Lance. And so does he have the potential to lead this team that is leading the NFC West on a run in the playoffs? And they are a team that the, with the with the Seattle Seahawks right there behind them, knocking right knocking on the door right behind them. Do does Brock Purdy have the potential to take them to be a championship team? I don't know. They have so many weapons around them. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan is going to find ways to make sure that it, it, it he makes it easier for him. But I think losing Jimmy G to a, to for the season to an ankle injury is going to be a tough pill to swallow for that San Francisco team. So, Kerry, let me get this straight. So, a, a team with high hopes and a lot of weapons loses their well-liked, handsome quarterback that wears number 10 to a devastating injury, right? Mm, yeah. Okay. See where you're going. And, and so he's replaced by a quarterback that nobody's ever heard of from Iowa <laughs> that wears number 13? Is, is that what you're telling me here? No, oh, no, it'll never work. It'll never happen. It'll never work. Never work. With a lot of talent around him, a, a, a running back that is able to play in the slot, catch passes out of the backfield, and run the ball really well. Hmm. What is going on? On here, yeah, I see what you did there, Randy. Yeah, pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Go Brock Purdy. I'm rooting for you. That's Carrie. I'm Randy Matthews here. Get next up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back.
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 65780 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. Time for Tioli on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. So, Kerry, Trey Turner does sign an 11-year contract with the Philadelphia Phillies worth $300 million. He is going to be 30 years old at the uh, start of this contract and obviously 41 at the end of the contract. So the first five years of the deal will be 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Take it or leave it. In the last six years of that contract and Bryce Harper's deal with Philadelphia, the Phillies do not make the playoffs. Oh. So, with $52 million a year tied up in those two guys for those. And at 35, you got to play you gotta take it. Beyond the age of 35. Yeah, your two key players it. are going to be 35, 35 plus. Yeah, yeah, you got to take that. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of money. Meaning up on that talent. Yeah. But they're, they're going for it now. And if they win the World Series, it's all worth it. It is what it is. You got to deal with it. That's kind of like the Blues, right? They won the Stanley Cup. It's all worth it. Tell that to Blues fans right now. Yeah, they aren't happy. But, <laughs> hey, you get a five-year pass when you win the Stanley Cup. Actually, it should be a 10-year pass after it takes 52 years to win it. Uh, right, I, there you go. That's some. I like that math. Yeah. That works out. So, uh, Randy, there was a OBJ sighting. He's been going around, making the rounds, going to different teams, deciding which team this free agent wide receiver will sign with. He was courtside with Trey Diggs and Michael Parsons in Dallas for the Dallas Mavericks versus the Phoenix Suns. Take it or leave it. As much as you dislike Jerry Jones, he knows how to do the free agency deals. Oh, I'll absolutely take that, yeah. he (laughs) Jerry pulls out all the stops. He makes sure that the guys that he wants, he very rarely misses on a guy. Mm -hmm. He he does a, and and tends to overpay at times, but, you know, sometimes you got to do that in order to get the guys you want. And, Oh, by the way, we'll point out that Jerry was smart enough to send his private jet for OBJ rather than have him fly commercial. Who, 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 bought, him, who bought him a ticket? Who bought him a first-class <laughs> ticket? And you, What are you doing? He probably said, hey, you know what, OBJ, I, I'll make sure you... Hey, don't worry about it. There's too much media, too much press. You hop on my... You can have as many drinks as you want. I got liquor for you. Just don't smoke anything. Just come on down. We'll talk. We'll, we'll have a conversation. He'll <laughs> be there here shortly. Yeah, exactly. He's good to go. Yep. All right, your text 65780 on the Air Comfort Service text line. Matthew, what do you got? Accurate. Take it or leave it. Pete Carroll should get more credit for using his eyes to select his QB. Geno Smith isn't the first time. Remember they signed Matt Flynn and then gave a job to Charlie Whitehurst? Yeah. Russell Wilson, sorry. Russell Wilson. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. I, I, he does. I think I think Pete Carroll does do a very good job. He's a, he's a very good coach. And... As you said, to, to to allow Russell Wilson to walk out the door knowing what he did for that franchise and say, I'll be okay, we'll be okay, he was absolutely okay. correct. I thought Matt Leinert was going to be a superb NFL quarterback because of the way Pete Carroll and his staff used him at USC. Yeah, he, he didn't have the arm strength. No. It's just kind of... But he had a lot of tools, a lot of weapons. He, he had a they, lot they, of weapons. They put him in his best position, yes. too. 
I also want to say I think we as football fans over the years have become biased towards left-handed quarterbacks. Somebody flipped the video of a bunch of two attack of Aloha throws mm-hmm. so that it looks like he's throwing right-handed. Mm-hmm. The throw looks better. It looks better when he's yeah. throwing. I, I have no yeah. idea why, yeah. but you flip the screen and make it look like he's throwing righty. All of a sudden, it doesn't look like it has a weird hitch in my mind. Interesting. You, we're biased against left-handed yeah. quarterbacks. That's because it's they have fair. a weird hitch. No, it's no, <laughs> <laughs> no, because Michael Vick had a weird. A, no, he listen, just flipped his wrist, man. Bang. Michael Vick would throw that ball, and you better but get you, your dang on hands up, and and, well, and you at, better be ready. Look at me and tell me that Michael Vick actually had a fast release, and not just like it, like his wrist snap was fast, but his like his elongation of the throw was he would he was long as hell. They'd I, be working. They would have torn his release apart in twenty like fifteen. Quarterback, and, and until they stood there and tried to catch a pass, <laughs> right? You can say whatever the Just hell saying. you want. He throws that ball hard. Lefties are weird. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it is weird though. Catching a ball from a left-handed quarterback, like a the rotation is so mm-hmm. different, and it, it throws you off the first. 10, 15 times you're trying to catch it, it is, it's a little difficult. Yeah, Jerry Rice's first 10, 15 touchdowns from Young was really weird. Algie <laughs> <laughs> Crumpler, underrated hands. Oh, yeah. Uh, Definitely. <laughs> take it or leave it. The Brubies just following his most successful formula. This is 2018 19. Watch out for the Blues come January. You'll leave I don't it. Believe that. You know, he had the, the Sunquist Barbashev. He was able to put Steen on that line. That was just a more gritty group, taking nothing away from. Guys like Thomas and Kairou, and when he was up here, Jake Neighbors and Nathan Walker and, and that gang, they aren't the same. But the biggest thing is Alex Petrangelo isn't walking through that door. I know you might have hated Alex Petrangelo when he was here. Pretty good. Jay Bowmeister's not walking through that door. I can't tell you how many text-ripping Jay Bowmeister we got on this yeah. show uh, or on the, on the fast lane before uh, the Blues lost him. They, they hated him. Joel Edmondson. Tough guy. That's the guy you're looking for. He's not walking through that door. That was a big, tough, gritty defense. And I would argue right now that the Blues' only guy right now that would be top four on that, I don't even know, because Pareko was so much better then than he is now. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Pareko Pareko and Bo were the two best defensemen in the playoffs in 2019. So Justin Falk could probably be a third-pairing guy. Wow. You see, we just got something right here. Lefty QBs of quality are few and far between. Most are not good. If you're a lefty, don't try to play football. These people will never accept you. They won't let you be good. Just be a pitcher because God knows that as long as your arm is not falling yep. off, I, somebody in the Major League Baseball will pay you if you're a lefty. Yep. So do there not play go. quarterback if you're nah, a lefty. Nah. Trust me, go to baseball. Now you're speaking. These people. I mean, this is the, 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 <laughs> sou- the southpaw discrimination is just it's too much right now. Take it or leave it. Cardinals get Sean Murphy and sign Dansby Swanson. That's their offseason. Uh, I'm, I'm going to leave it with hope. Okay. Does that, that gives you no hope? Uh, I, I think that that could happen. And if you give me the choice between Dansby Swanson and having Edmund and, uh, and Donovan for a year and then yeah. waiting on Mason Wynn, Rather than give Dansby Swanson because they do work within a budget, 140 million. I, I wouldn't do that. If I were the Cardinals, I'd rather have Edmund and Donovan for this year and take your chances on Win being a great player. Uh, Dansby Swanson, I'm sure he's a swell guy, but I don't think he's a, what the Cardinals need. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fairly uh, accurate accurate take there. 49ers, take it or leave it. 49ers are going to sign Baker Mayfield. Leave it. I'm going to leave it. There was you said there was a report. Adam Schefter said he's going to sign. He's, he's going to get claimed off waivers. Up on waivers yeah. But he won't. But it's it more than likely he won't. San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. 
Take it or leave it. If Auburn really wants to win and get over the hump against Bama, they need they need to hire Urban Meyer. I'm going to leave that. I'll leave it. They've as got well. a guy that beats Nick Saban twice when he was at Ole Miss in Hugh Freeze. They might have hired the guy that they need. Well, I, getting over any humps with Urban Meyer, I'm cool. I'm okay. I don't. Yeah, you have to be really, really desperate. Or or lacking morals. I don't know. Yeah, moral flexibility. I think that's a better way to put <laughs> is it. Is that a better way yeah. to put it? Yeah, is that have, a thing? Have a little bit of moral flexibility. <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah, so you, yeah. When you need to have morals, you can have them. When you don't, you don't need to. There you is go, it? CD. <laughs> I, thought the, I thought the problem was with Urban Meyer is that we focused on the humps and didn't move that's past the, them. That's the problem. Yeah. 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 Humps, kicks. I don't know. A lot of things. <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. I couldn't help it. Take it or leave it without adding a big bat. This Cardinals team will stay mediocre in a loaded National League. No more week schedule. Yeah, and I would say that they better have Jack Flaherty all year as well. With yeah. uh, with the schedule being more balanced and not playing as many games in the division. First of all, I would argue that mediocre is 81-81, and 81, and the Cardinals haven't been there since 2007. So I, I would argue against the notion that they've been mediocre, but I would say that if they don't have a number one starter for six months and don't hit better, and that big bat, by the way, might be Tyler O'Neill. But uh, yeah, I, I would think that you have a, a great chance to be uh, an 82-83 win team. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> did you sigh that out loud? Yes, you did, sir. Okay. Um, take it or leave it. An ideal and realistic cards offseason is getting Murphy in the trade, mm-hmm. signing Cody Bellinger, and getting a little pitching help. I would take that 100%. So I, I'm with Cody Bellinger, and I said that Wilson Contreras. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, we talked to Greg last week. The fact that you have to trade, you have to trade something away. So what are you willing to give up? To get something back, and that's always going to be the question uh, with Contreras. They're both; he's a free agent. Him and Cody; those are guys you can go out and get without give, without losing anything in the process, except, except for draft picks, which yeah. is fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on it's 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 a major league baseball draft. Uh, take it or leave it. Alvin Kamara might be done. Oh man, right, right, we, I mean, this is within a week. Carrie, you getting two different Kamara uh, opinions? You know what? What do you think? I now? may have, I may have been wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I I still think it's the offense and and it's the, you know, not having Sean Payton, not having Drew Brees, having Andy Dalton. Who, like I said, I think they are trying to. You can't be trying to win games if you got Andy Dalton still at quarterback. I mean, his years of being good have long passed by, and and so you got a younger guy in 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 Jameis Winston, but you refuse to put him back in the game. I don't know. Even Jameis said, I didn't think you could lose your position to an injury. Maybe, maybe not. You can if the guy is lighting it up. This guy ain't. This guy ain't no, lighting no. it up. So you can't lose your job. I can't lose my job to injury to that guy. That's all I'm saying. That's it. <laughs> he ain't saying. That's all he's saying. One more. Take it or leave it. Jordan Cairo is the hockey version of Paul DeYoung. Jordan Cairo's producing. Yeah, he's got ten, he just got he just got his tenth goal. I mean, he's on pace yeah. for he's on pace for yeah. you know points wise a solid season. Maybe they're saying when when DeYoung was at his best. So they they're anticipating that Cairo is going That's, to fall off. You okay? Listen, I I would love to give the texter some credit for nuance. That's too much. And was that and, too and much? Some some layered thought. But I'm trying to help out. No, no, that is a hundred percent. Young player gave a contract to immediately became um, bad. That's a, that's a hundred percent what that texter's trying to say. But he just got his tenth goal last night. Yeah, but De Young hit thirty home runs after he got his contract, didn't he? Was that the year after his contract? Yeah, I guess that was the summer after he got his contract, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So, but uh, 
I, I'm going to have to respectfully leave that one right now. So, hey, that's that's the way it goes. <laughs> hey, thanks very much for, for your text. We do appreciate them, 65780. And uh, we have been instructed by our management to not talk about Dan McLaughlin this morning. But you want to hear about Danny Mac. So let me just give you my thoughts. I don't have facts. Every fact that I have, you have available at STL today or from the TV stations. Uh, Dan did provide a statement to the Post-Dispatch in which he said, no excuses I'm dealing with and seeking the treatment that I need. I ask for your privacy for me and my family. I have known Dan McLaughlin for nearly three decades. He's been one of my best friends for nearly three decades. And as he deals with this, what I can give you is my thought that I love him and what he did. I certainly don't condone, like he said, no excuses. That being said, as he does deal with this and seek the treatment, I'm going to be there for Dan. I'm going to support him. I'm going to love him. I'm not going to shoot him down. This is a guy who I'm sure throughout the last 24 hours has felt his life crumbling around him and... I want him to do well, and I, I do love him. And uh, so I, I'm not taking any shots. You can read the story. We know what he, he's dealing with. Uh, I'm not going to comment on his job status because the Cardinals said they aren't commenting on his job status. So did Bally Sports. But all I can say is that uh, there's a lot of people with problems in this world, and Danny's dealing with problems right now, and I want him to know and his family to know that I'm there for him 100%. So that that's what I have to say about Danny Mac. Uh, it's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Eli Drinkwitz joined us yesterday. Should he be taking shots at Kansas right now? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. I don't know if the team who hasn't participated in a bowl game for the last 12 or 13 years that doesn't quite know how the, the bowl selections work. <laughs> Uh, not sure if you could figure out where that report came from when the guy who broke the news also broke the news that Kansas was playing Hawaii in a matchup, which is, you know, they were so confident they were going to make bowl games. They had the Hawaii bowl, uh, Hawaii game as their bowl game. You know, so I, I don't really care, to be honest with you. Uh, what, what's that saying? Lions don't give care about the opinions of sheep like or Jayhawks. Like, we play on the 25th. We play in the year 25 and for O Field. And we'll see them there. And all these people that are taking shots at me on Twitter, buy your tickets. Say what you want, buy your tickets. We'll see you here on the, in, in 25. We, we play in the SEC. We play in the SEC. But the number one team in the country. You think I was worried about playing a team that's lost six in a row? That is Eli Drinkwitz yesterday on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. CD, yes, he is under 500 for his career. I guess he's, what, 17 and 18 for his career now. But that being said, that sort of personality is what college football needs, yes. right? Eli Drinkwitz said it yesterday here on this station, and he knows he's in the entertainment business. I hope the football gets better. I hope that he does go eight and four, nine and three, just win those three close games. And he explained that to us yesterday as well. And you can hear the entire interview on 101ESPN.com or on the 101 ESPN app brought to you by Dobbs Tyron Auto Center. But as a player... Do you ever feel like his comments put a target on you guys? 
Uh, no, I, I, I love the comments. I love what he said. I, I think it, it definitely it sparks up the rivalry between those two teams and allows them to, you know, get something, look forward, get give them something to look forward to when they do play in a few years. And if I'm if that's my coach and he's talking like that, I'm I got your back. Like I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to make sure that we do everything we can to prove you correct to prove that you were saying the right things, that you were not speaking, um, just talking out of the side of your neck. You were you were actually giving us momentum and, and motivation to be the best team that we can be. And so I'm going to go out there and show you that, that what you said about us and what you said about them is actually true. And you asked the question about the Brett McMurphy report on Friday, and you did point out that uh, McMurphy also has broken other Kansas stories. I kind of buy into what Eli is saying. I don't know that Mizzou was afraid of playing Kansas. I do. I don't like the idea of wanting to take a lesser bowl, perhaps, so that you can have your kids home by Christmas. That's a nice thing to yeah. do. But I would rather play in the bigger bowl. And like he said, in the SEC, the 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 league determines where you're going for a bowl. For me, the fact that you're playing in a bowl game wherever at any time is always a good thing as a as a college program college students it's, it's, it's great for the coaches it gives them another opportunity to coach those kids and get more practices in and to really learn and, and and then have the experience of playing in that game so I don't think you should ever you know be dismissive of, of, of one bowl over the other and I don't think I don't know that they they told anyone at KU we don't want to play you mm-hmm. for for any other reasons other than, you know, I don't think that was a report that actually came from Mizzou. But someone is not telling the truth in that in that mm-hmm. scenario, and, and we, will, we will never know who. It, it, and it doesn't really matter. As he said, we are who we are, Mizzou. We are in the SEC. We play a number of teams that are probably wouldn't pale in comparison to, to what, what KU has to offer. So, you know, they are, there are opportunities for that game to be played in a couple of years. And I think what, what Eli did yesterday was just add fuel to that fire. And hopefully people do show up in droves. They come out and say, hey, you all are supposed to be a good team. You played well. You lost. You started out well. You lost six in a row. But, you know, hopefully Kansas can keep up what they've been doing. Hopefully Mizzou can keep up what they've been doing. And when the time comes, both teams will be at their very best. Mizzou played in the Liberty Bowl in 2018. And before that, the last time they had played, heck, I think – I might have even gone to the game back in like the late 70s, 1980. I like the trip to Memphis, but I get that a lot of Missouri fans don't. And I totally get that Missouri fans are completely worn out on the Birmingham Bowl. And in terms of a city, now it's going to be inconvenient, as we mentioned yesterday, to Mm -hmm. go to Tampa on December 23rd. But in terms of a city and for the players and maybe for... Their, their gift bags. Maybe they get free cybersecurity. I don't know. Uh, no, that's the Illinois guys. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, this is Gasparilla Bowl. Yeah, you get a, uh, uh, maybe you get a, maybe. maybe you still get a meal at Outback. I don't know. I don't know. So, but uh, <laughs> in terms of watching on TV, this won't be bad. Well, I, yeah. I, like I said, I think you, you take whatever bowl is presented to you and hopefully for Mizzou, they continue to get better. And, and here's my thing, Randy. If you don't like the bowls that are presented to you, there's one option. Play better win more games yep. and if you win more games same thing with Illinois people are not may not be happy with the Outback Bowl you felt like you should you should have won more games mm-hmm. you had a couple of games there at home Michigan State Purdue that you should have won and then you'd have been in the Big Ten Championship game so if you don't like where you're selected or slotted to go there's a solution win more games and play better and then you will have better options 
It's simple. Pretty simple. <laughs> That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Carrie and Randy, next up, we're going to head up to New York and see if Darren Pang can talk us off the ledge regarding the Blues here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Drive on 101 ESPN, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and the Blues in action again tonight. They'll take on the Islanders. We have the pregame at 530 with Alex Ferrario and Joe Vitale, and then the action with Curbs and Joey at 630. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and Darren Pang joins us. He's our Blues analyst for Bally Sports Midwest, and he joins us every Tuesday morning, and we appreciate that. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Well, good morning to you, too, and what, what better way to lose badly in one city than to go into the next city, take a bus there, and get your gear on and do it and do it and try to make up for it. I think that's, I don't know. I think this is a good remedy for it, fellas. That uh, you're not taking too much and then you're, uh, you're you're going in a in a, in, a, in a bad spot right now, and you've got to find a way out of it. So hopefully tonight on the island, the the, the Blues can can find that recipe for success here. I love that positive attitude. Okay, I'm going to ask the easiest question in the world that might require the most difficult answer. What's wrong? Um, what's wrong is it's quite simple to me that, um, and I said it in, in, in the game prior to this one, and that is that, um, for consistent moments, the concentration or the, the ability to lock it down, um, is, is not there. Um, you can't give up three or more goals in a period 15 times and then pretend to think like it's okay. So, you know, for all the you know positivity, I, I totally see that that what they're doing defensively and how they're how they're not connecting. Whether it's uh, after a goal you score, whether it's after a goal against, whether it's after a period ends, what you're doing to prepare for the next shift is something the Blues took such great pride in. in and uh, and I know we go back to '19 a lot, but you know that those Alexander Steen days where he took pride in your line change. Who talks about a line change? Not very many people do. But then, you know, then you start seeing this team, you know, not take good line changes or put pucks in bad areas and then the next line comes out and they're in a bad spot. You know, there used to be players that made other players accountable for that. And, and it was clear as day. And, and right now, what, you know, right now, what, I, what I've seen in the lack of concentration is clear as mud. And, and that's, that's just the facts. You're watching the game and you're like, man, they look good. That second period was outstanding last night. There are there were so many scouts at that game at Madison Square Garden last night. There were GMs, there were assistant GMs, there were scouts. There's something brewing. That's you know, you're kind of watching this game. Okay, and after the second period, it's like, boy, those Blues look good. Like that's the Blues. You know, that's what everybody's saying. And then the third period starts and get a little lazy with the puck, make a little play going backwards. Instead of shooting the puck like Jordan Cairo right from the slot when you're behind by one, you're going to drop it back to nobody, and and the Rangers go the other way. So what I what I'm saying is it's 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 really confusing because the lack of concentration and cohesion 
from shift to shift, from period to period, from time to time. And now they're they're just like every other team right now and, and showing no signs of, of jumping out of it at this particular point. Hey, Panger, how do you get them to play an entire 60-minute game? As you said, it seems that, you know, from line to line, shift to shift, it, it yeah. just changes from, from, from guy to guy. How do you get the entire team to play a full 60 minutes to win a game? Well, you know, there's only – it's a great question, Kerry, because, you know, we watch this team from – from moment to moment, and and you know, may, I mean, maybe the only thing is that is that park guys on the bench. That you know, if you make the same mistakes over and over and over again. I was just in Philly a couple of weeks ago doing a game, and and uh, it's funny that uh, John Tortorella, you know, he, he's got the great quotes and he said some things, and but but the one thing he talked about was was in, in the position of the head coach, you're also analyzing, and and when you're analyzing, and the same player makes the same mistakes two, three, four times in a row, then, you know, then, then you've got to do something about that because that's, that's consistent behavior. And that, you know, a lot of times what's, what's wrong with sitting a player on the bench for a couple of shifts. Like that used to happen all the time. And now around the NHL, it, it just, it doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, I, I, that, that part of it to me, Kerry would be the number one thing. I mean, if there's, if there's a player going and playing and play that player, Put them on the ice. Everybody sees a player that's going and that's trying, that's doing the right thing. Like, you know, the, the, the Ryan O'Reilly last, line last night, they did things right. They put pucks in. You know, I, I know that, you know, I know that at the end of it, when, it, when I mentioned Cairo playing the puck back, I mean, he makes a lot of dynamic plays. There's no doubt about that. But then, then you know, when you want to get that puck in north and everybody's thinking the same way, it's that one play that reverses the flow that just changes everything. So um, I guess bottom line, Kerry, I'll answer your question. I, I would say that if one player is doing the things that you're, you're, you're not wanting to do and he keeps doing it time and time again, then, then I'd say that you've got to shorten the bench and, and play the players that are going to play until you get going again and then get that player back in the rotation. Panger, I, I want to circle back to uh, the, the stat you had. So it's three goals in a period 15 times, right? That's, yeah, that's what we showed last night in, on the air. In, yeah. in 25 games. I know it's an apples in, to oranges comparison. In, in a period. Yeah, in, in, a period. In, in a period. After January 1st of 2019, in the 48 games that followed, the Stanley Cup champion Blues allowed seventeen or three goals in a game 17 times. Three goals in a whole game 17 times in 48 games. This team's allowed 15 in a period in 25 games. Yep, seven straight goals now. Seven straight games allowing yeah. three or more goals against in a period. Do and, you see an issue overall? Yeah, and you're there every day, and you know goaltending way better than any of us, and better than most in the world. Is is there an issue with Jordan Bennington? Um, is there an issue? I I would say that in my complete analysis of it, um, I'd say that he played as hard as anybody for a long period of time, faced numerous amount of quality chances against. In fact, in the last, besides last night, the previous two games, there was 20 slot chances against and 17. That's 37 in two games. The fear that, I mean, the fear that anybody would have when you're watching them is, okay, did that is that frustration now to a point that's affecting his goal, you know, stopping the puck. And, you know, after the game, after the last game, you know, you heard what the coach said. He, you know, he talked about just stop the puck. And when he was in Pittsburgh and he went by the bench and 
So, so now you've got that conversation with the coaches, stop the puck. Now he goes into the game last night and, it, you know, he makes several great saves, but then, you know, there's a lot of those pucks, you know, when you give up, you know, the one to Miller was one that kind of stunned everybody. They had a power play, in all fairness to, to, to Bennington, at 5-4 to four when Lafreniere scored, the Blues have a power play and they give up a shorthanded goal. Like, that to me is not on the goalie. <laughs> you know, right. that's, that's a power play. That, that's supposed to be your, your best players are on the ice. You're supposed to tie the game because you got a power play and you give up a shorthanded goal. So uh, I felt bad for Ivan Barbashev because he always plays his rear end off, and and my, my heart sank for the kid. And and you know, it was a it was just a you know an, an error in handling a puck that jumped on Kreider's stick. But getting back to the goaltending, it's a fair question, and I, and I I don't know if I'm going to evaluate it right now because it's only one game after the Pittsburgh game. Um, but but I. I I do believe that he emptied the tank in trying to keep this team that's been very porous in the defensive zone into hockey games. Now it's about Jordan Bennington gaining gaining the trust of everybody to know that he's 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 okay. He's he's, he's going to get back in that net and stop pucks, but also the trust of okay, let's just play hockey. We got your back, which you know, I, I think you know maybe there's some thoughts from him that, and I I don't know, but. You know, he gets banged around a little bit, and and uh, there's there's not a whole lot of fight back from everybody. You know, when he gets bounced around, and I think he takes that personally, and I think he he tries to take it upon himself to 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 go at the other team himself, and uh, and sometimes he takes it too far. That's just the bottom line. Hey, Fanger, we we as a coach and as a former player, there's a point where you know the coach is speaking is is not doing it, and and. You have to have players step up and talk to their teammates. Who is the guy on that team that is is going to pull these guys up and say, "Hey, enough is enough," or, or, or "We got to do better," or as you said, "We got to protect Bennington. We got to do a better job of of doing our job to help us win games." Who is that one guy or, or two guys? Yeah, you always have to have some guys, and uh, um, on, on this team now, that, that's a really tough question. I mean, I think Robert Bortuzzo, Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly. I, I think those are the those are the go-to leaders inside that locker room. Um, you know, I think when they speak, when, when a Braden Shen speaks, I, you know, I know that the players have a great deal of respect, carry for him, what he does and how he plays. And then here's a guy that, you know, he's, he's been hurting. And, you know, Jordan Cairo was sick, so he couldn't play the last game. So Braden Shen wasn't going to play the game in Pittsburgh, but then he finds out Cairo is sick. So Braden Shen says, I'm not leaving the game. I'll, I'll play, even though he knows he doesn't have his best stuff in there. So, uh, I think players really respect him. Obviously, Ryan O'Reilly, without a doubt, and uh, and, and I, I throw Robert Bortuzzo and you know uh, Justin Falk right in that in that group. Now Krug's been around not a very long time, but I could imagine if I was in the locker room and and that little competitive son of a gun started saying something, I would uh, I would listen to what he had to say. That's for sure. We have a great resource in Darren Pang because you get to see so many teams doing games for TNT. And Doug Armstrong tells us all the time, the hockey world tells us all the time, that this is, has evolved into a speed game. When you watch other teams, how do you think the Blues stack up with their speed versus the other good teams? Well, the Blues are one of the best you know, rush teams in the NHL. If you look at the ana- analytics that are, and basically analytics, these are just stats. I mean, you know... Um, you know, the Blues are about, I think they're top 10 in rush chances for. Um, but but the, the, the bottom line for me is speed is, okay, you've got speed from Jordan Cairo. There's no question about that. But it's not speed to the net. It's, it's speed to a certain area. And then it's a pull-up game. 
Robert Thomas has got speed. It's not speed to the net. It's speed to a certain area beyond the hash marks in the offensive zone. And then it's a, it's a pull-up area. So he pulls the puck back, he goes towards the boards, and he's waiting for the next level. So I, I wouldn't put our, the, the St. Louis Blues as, as one of those teams. I, uh, you know, I mean, I think, I think they're a team that's still trying to find their identity. Um, being a rush team is fun, but for me, being a rush team isn't, isn't the way you're going to win championships. Unless you've got guys that are driving hard to the net every single time you have a rush opportunity. The, the areas that concern me are, you know, they're, they're still a team that doesn't get enough chances for me from the slot. Um, and they, they don't nearly get enough rebound chances as well, nor, to, nor, nor tip-in chances. And all the teams that have scored lately against the Blues, you just go down the list. You go down to what the Pittsburgh Penguins did. They put the puck every single time to the opposite post, and they just jammed hard, and they went hard to the net, and they scored goals. Now, the, you know, you, the New York Rangers then look at it. How did they score a lot of their goals? Didn't they? I think they scored four goals on tip-ins. So they go to the front of the net, they deflect pucks, and that is a difficult hot potato to find from a goaltender's point of view. There's not a characteristic that the Blues are doing on a consistent basis that the other team would prepare for. It used to be the down-low play, hold on to pucks, oh my goodness, they're going to punt it back to the point, the point's going to go D to D, they're going to shoot pucks at the net, they're going to wear you down, and in 40 seconds you're going to be exhausted. So they don't have that consistent game that we used to see immediately when the game started. Finally, Panger, you'll be uh, traveling after today's game. Where does uh, your, where do your travels take you for TNT tomorrow? I end up in uh, Columbus, and I've got the I've got the Buffalo Sabers again. Hmm. Um, I've I've seen the Buffalo Sabers an awful lot. They're a fun team to watch. They're not quite a five hundred team, um, and they're trying to find their way as well. But I had them last week in, in Detroit. Um, I saw you know you, there's a kid on the Buffalo Sabers that is just. Excited! I know everybody says Tage Thompson, and I love Tage Thompson. But this Jack Quinn, he was a seventh or eighth overall. They got Dylan Cousins, who is seventh or eighth overall as well. So, you know, they've been a bad team for a long time, and they've got a lot of good picks, and they've done well with their picks. So, um, they're a fun team to watch as well. And then I'll see Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau. Oh yeah, for the first time for me uh, as a Columbus Blue Jacket. So. Um, I, I look forward to that. Another little fellow with good hands and gumption. I love that. And, and what a great guy Don Granado is. If anybody in St. Louis oh. got a chance to meet him, what he's the coach of the Sabres now, and what a what a good human being and what a good coach he is. He, you're exactly right. I mean, I know he was with uh, Worcester when uh, mm-hmm. when the Blues had uh, that affiliate there, and he was with the uh, the development program. I mean, he's a teacher. He's a lover of hockey. He's a great human being. And uh, and he's you know he's taken a real patient and positive approach to their team, but they play with some structure and they're they're catching on. When they play well, look out! It's dynamite. And again, like any young team, um, like we've seen around the NHL, uh, there's inconsistencies in in defending, which we're seeing with the Blues. We're seeing with a lot of teams. But um, again, I, I look forward to this game tonight against the Islanders. It's a big, heavy team. I would expect Thomas Grice to play. Um, he's uh, he's been. Good against the the Islanders, and he's won his last two starts, so hopefully they can give him the spark that they need right now. Panger, always good to hear your voice. Enjoy the day in New York. Safe travels, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys. Thanks very much. Take Th- care. Thank you. That's Darren Pang, Blues analyst here uh, in St. Louis for Bally Sports Midwest, and he'll be on the call with John Kelly tonight. We don't have a fighter for today. We need a fighter, don't we? Well, if we're going to have a fight. Yeah, we do. You've been beating everybody, so we don't have anybody returning. Well, yeah. we, we can uh, get a fighter right now. <laughs> six, five, seven, eight, six, oh. six straight. Yeah, we're looking for it. <laughs> the anti-blues over here, Randy Carricker. <laughs> I'm not the anti-blues. I'm a blues guy. No, just your record. 
Oh, yeah. oh, okay. I got it. I got it. Okay. Text the word fight to 65780. We'd love to have you participate next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. Rock, how are you doing today? I'm good, Kerry. I like how you're always checking with me. I, 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 you're my guy. I gotta make sure you're good. Make sure you're good to go, because, <laughs> I, because I have been in the same situation as you, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. these questions present some pressure in mm-hmm. this room at mm-hmm. times. This is, so. an easy, this is an easy one today. Yeah. It's an easy one today. Come on. Well, I went today, light. I went light today. I'm just saying, if something is wrong, and or if you uh, or I make a mistake, nothing here is there wrong. is there is pressure associated I with what we're doing. I mean, I, I'm saying I don't think anything is wrong. Yeah, that's why I put the that's why I put the questions on the way I did. Of course, I don't think anything's <laughs> wrong. We'll see. We will see. Today, our fighter is Joe. Joe, how are you feeling this morning? Oh, I'm doing well. Still working through that first cup of coffee, but we'll see how it goes. First cup of Joe. All right, you ready to roll? I am, thank you. All right, here we go. Happy birthday, Johnny Football. Johnny Manziel was the first ever red shirt freshman to win the Heisman. Who is the only other player to do it? Is it Jameis Winston, Lamar Jackson, or Kyler Murray? Jameis Winston. On this day in 2014, the Missouri Tigers played in their second consecutive SEC championship game, who did they face in that game? Was that Alabama, LSU, or Auburn? Auburn. All right, Joe. Over the weekend, the Packers retook the lead for the most all-time franchise wins in NFL history. Which team sits atop the list of all-time Major League Baseball franchise wins? Is it the New York Yankees, the Chicago Cubs, or the San Francisco Giants? Well, I got to go with the, with the Yanks on that one. All right, and happy birthday to the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis is one of the three players in NBA history to win a Defensive Player of the Year and an MVP in the same season. Jordan was the first to do it in 1988. Giannis was the third to do it in 2020. So between those two, who was the second ever to do it? Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon, or Tim Duncan? Ooh. Let's go with Shaq. All right, we'll double-check the score here, and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. Joe, how you feeling? Uh, you know, I could I could get four out of four. I could get zero out of four. Uh... <laughs> you don't really know, huh? Yeah. yeah I... Great or terrible. <laughs> well, you got – Randy still has an opportunity. He, he is walking in. Randy's a great guy, fella. I want everyone to know uh, how great of a guy Randy is. Randy takes out the – trash he takes out the recycle bin it's just who he is i just I, I i know people know you are great but i i like to give people their flowers while they're still here to hear about it and i just want you to know how how awesome of a man you are right that's here. nice of you to say right. i, I, I want to amazing. save the world you are amazing we we do kill a lot of trees around here yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, randy say hello to joe joe good morning how you doing Good morning, sir. I'm well, and, and may I say those were excellent words that you said for our buddy Danny Mac. That was uh, that was really great to hear from you, sir. I appreciate that. Thank you. That's just the way I feel. I appreciate that, though. 
All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. All right, here we go. Okay. Happy birthday to Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel. Mm-hmm. Manziel was the first ever redshirt freshman to win the Heisman. Who was the only other player to do it? The other redshirt freshman to win the Heisman after Johnny Football. He was the first. Um, who else got it after him? This is bad because this was only like 10 years ago that he got it, so it's got to be in the last few years. And let me just think here for one moment. Red shirt freshman wasn't Burrow. I'm, I'm thinking, probably stupidly thinking, first round picks in the draft. Um, but I'll keep working at it. Um, you know what? I'll just do the lifeline. Is it Jameis Winston, Lamar Jackson, or Kyler Murray? This helps a lot. Okay. Uh, Jameis didn't as a freshman. And Kyler did in his last year. So through the process of elimination, I'm going to go with Lamar. All right. On this day in 2014, the Missouri Tigers played in their second consecutive SEC championship game. Mm-hmm. Whom did they face in that match? Up In 2000, what was that year again? On this 13, day in 2014, 2014. They, faced, they played in their second consecutive SEC championship game. Who did they face in that second consecutive SEC championship game? That had to be the Alabama Crimson Tide, right? Because Auburn was 2013. Uh, or no. So, yeah, this on this date in 2014, we played Alabama. 2013 would have been the year they played Auburn. And that was the Greg Robinson, Trey Mason team that the Rams drafted both of those guys, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And that was the 2014 draft. So that's my process of elimination there. All right, my final answer was? Alabama. All right, Randy. Over the weekend, the Packers retook the lead for most all-time franchise wins in NFL history. Which team sits atop the list for all-time Major League Baseball franchise wins? You'd think it'd be the Yankees, right? It might be. Uh, But you've got the Cubs in there. Uh, Okay, the... The Yankees went over 10,000 a few years ago, and I thought they were the first. Giants went over 10,000. A's. Um, I'm just going to go with the chalk here and go with the Yankees. All right. Although and I think it might be a stupid choice, but I'll do it anyway. All right, and happy birthday to the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis is one of three players in NBA history to win a defensive player of the year and MVP in the same season. Mm. Jordan was the first to do it in 1988. Who is the third person ever in NBA history to do it? So, it's between between Jordan's win in 88 did, okay. and Giannis's win in 2020. Who is the MVP other person to win an MVP player. and a defensive player of the year in the same NBA season? Okay. First guy that comes to mind, and I'm just going to go with uh, instinct here, because he was a great defensive player, and I think he won an MVP. I'm going to go with Akeem Olajuwon. You know, I thought this was going to be an easy fight. When I wrote these ones up, I'm like, this is going to be four to three. I think I might have to finally use the tiebreaker that I've been sitting on for like six fights now, which is a good tiebreaker. I'm very happy with it, and I can't wait to actually use it. <laughs> so are we going to use the tiebreaker today? The answer is obviously no. We do have a winner in the fight. Did Randy Carricker move his winning streak to seven, or did Joe swoop in on a foggy Tuesday and steal one away from Megamind? Ring that bell. Just win, baby. 
There it is. That is a win for Randy Carricker. It is a 2-1 win mm. over Joe. This was a tough day for the fight, apparently. Let's go through these answers. Happy birthday to Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football. He was the first ever redshirt freshman to win the Heisman. The only other one to do it is Jameis Winston. Winston. The huh? only other redshirt freshman. He is not the youngest player to ever win the Heisman. That is Lamar Jackson, who was four days younger, but a wow. sophomore when he won the Heisman a few years later than Jameis Winston. So Johnny should still be an NFL star is what you're telling me. Because he's the same age as Lamar. Exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, exactly. Uh, Jameis, yes. Yeah, Jameis. Um, on this day in 2014, the Missouri Tigers played in their second consecutive SEC championship. They didn't fast face Bama. They lost 42-13, to not nearly as close as, as the uh, the game against Auburn in 2013, no. which was their first. Over the weekend, the Packers retook the lead for the most all-time franchise wins in NFL history with their win over the Bears, who are second place in that category. What team currently sits atop the list of all-time MLB franchise wins? Neither Joe nor Randy got this one. It is the San Francisco Giants. It is slash Brooklyn, who have 11,366 wins. That is 149 more wins than the second place Dodgers. The Cubs sit in third. Your St. Louis Cardinals are fourth. The New York Yankees are eighth all time. They are not there. They have over 10,000, but they have not crested the 11,000 that the top four franchises have all beaten so far. And it was the Brooklyn Dodgers, New York Giants. Yeah, yeah, New York Giants. Um, Happy birthday to the Greek freak, Giannis Adetokounmpo. Giannis is one of the three players in NBA history to win a defensive player in MVP in the same season. Jordan did it in ninety in 1988. Giannis did it in 2020, and right in between there was 1994 when Hakeem Olajuwon did it, and that gave Randy Carricker the win. So a 2-1 win for Randy Carricker. Joe, thank you so much for participating in the fight today. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Good you job, too. Joe. Thank you very much. Tough fight, and uh, thank you very much for playing. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. This is 101 ESPN, and we've got the latest rumors coming your way from baseball's winter meetings in San Diego next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One of those clubs that's been able to have the capacity to spend on a free agent in the past. They haven't quite done it all that recently. They've certainly don't gone the trade market with Goldschmidt and Arenado. But I think free agency, Fran, is one spot I look for the Cardinals to be especially active with shortstops here in the days ahead. That's John Morosi of MLB Network suggesting that the Cardinals will be in on Dansby Swanson. We brought this up a couple of weeks ago when the beat writer for the uh, Atlanta Braves for the Athletic, Dave O'Brien, mentioned this as a possibility. Dansby Swanson is a nice player. I don't believe, CD, that he's a blow-out-the-budget-quality player. I think he, he would be a nice addition for teams that don't have options at the position. But I don't believe that he's uh, enough of a difference maker for the Cardinals to use their financial resources there rather than elsewhere. And by the way, reports this morning that the Padres, who were singularly interested in Trey Turner, are not going to pursue another shortstop. So Bogarts, Swanson, Correa are not going to wind up in San Diego. So if you were to if you were to list those three in order of best to to worst would you say it would be Correa Bogarts and then Swanson I would go that way yes and so if that's the case what is the number that is attached to those three men Correa is looking for what uh Seager got Corey Seager got last year which was 325 okay. over 10 okay my anticipation for Bogarts would be that he'd be in that 2 to 250 range for a 10 year deal and Swanson maybe half of that 
maybe 150 for Swanson, probably for a little less term, for uh, 140 to 160 over seven or eight for Swanson. So would you say would you would you prefer paying more? For a premium player or paying, and the reason why I asked it, because how I feel is if you're going to go after a shortstop, we've been hearing about Mason Wynn mm-hmm. and his his progress and, you know, really his his ability to play at this level when he gets here, what what the expectations are of him. If you're going to go get a, a shortstop and pay $100 million or $120 million, you might as well go pay it two hundred or $250 million yeah, right. and get the better guy if you're going to if you're going to lock up that position either way. Because it, it, to me, it makes no sense to to kind of go half halfway mm-hmm. about it. If you're gonna go go all the way and get the guy that you think is the better pro, the better uh, player for that position, and the Cardinals, as we have seen by their actions, are reticent to give the ten year contract because the back end of those contracts just don't work out for the yeah. signing team. They they just don't, and so that's why the Cardinals, even with a guy like Correa, who by the way has had a bad back over the years. A guy like Correa probably would not be a guy that the Cardinals would pursue because of the term that he would request. If I were the Cardinals and I had money to spend this offseason, and it's going to cost you $18 million, if it's going to cost you 18 for one year to get Cody Bellinger, I would do that. Yeah. And I would spend money on my bullpen, and then obviously you're going to have to spend on your catching situation, whether it is Contreras or Murphy or Jansen or uh, Kirk or, or, or whomever you get. You're going to have to spend a little bit more. I believe if I were the Cardinals, I would be more inclined even to go get a Jose Quintana and spread the money around between Quintana, catcher, Bellinger, mm-hmm. left-handed bat, Mr. X. I'd rather do that than sign Dansby Swanson. For me, Bellinger is such an uh, a intriguing opportunity, an intriguing player, because he hasn't played well, particularly well the last couple of years, but what he did in his first few years, you're like, you, you felt that his his progression or his ascension would have been, you know, one potentially one of the best players to play the game. An MVP in his third year. <laughs> the, the way that he was playing. And so, if you can get a guy like that for a year, maybe two years, and and get him here and see what he is, and and you have him here to be able to play. And if he's right, if he's if he's what he was that's his key. first few years, then you have something that you can add to with with Arenado and Goldie. And now you don't have to spend as much money on the shortstop. You can get the catcher, and you can put you can fill out that roster much better without paying three hundred million mm-hmm. to a shortstop and get multiple positions instead. And by the way, this might be blindness and stupidity. Guilty as charged. If Matt Holiday signs off on Bellinger, I'm I'm all in, right? right. It, and I don't know if Holiday has signed off on him, but he's working with him. Matt Holiday signed off on uh, the uh, Cardinals' acquisition of Arenado. He helped get Arenado here. Holiday helped resurrect the hitting career of Matt Carpenter, and he's done incredible work at the collegiate level. So, uh, might be foolish on my part, but if he do, if he says yeah, I'm saying yeah. Well, then you have a guy that has worked with him, that knows him, that understands you know the nuances and and the ins and outs yeah. of his swing and what get what can get him back to being the best player that he can be. And you talked about this repeatedly that Trey uh, Turner Ward was his was his hitting yeah. coach um, for the first couple of years of his career. So there are there is a lot of ties to to Cody Bellinger and what he what he has in, throughout his entire career and what he can be, I think that would be a, a better route to go. Um, if you're not going to spend, you, you missed out on your guy, Trey Turner. He's obviously in Philly now with the $300 plus million dollar mm-hmm. contract. So if you're not going to go that route, go with the guys. You can get multiple players and, and fill this roster out. And, and 
and you'll feel better about what this team can do come playoff time because I think they just they needed more more guys to, to make those plays. And I don't know if the market for Jose Quintana is coming back to the Cardinals. The top two starters have already signed. Rodon is still out there. He'll probably sign somewhere. And then you, you have another group. I don't think the Giants will pursue Quintana. They've been there and done that. I, I think the Cardinals were much happier with their Quintana experience than the Giants were. The Cubs have been there, done that with Jose Quintana. So I, I would think that the market for Quintana might come back to the Cardinals and make it more palatable for them to sign him. And I'd love to have him here. And if that means putting Steven Matz in the bullpen, so be it. Somebody, some starter is going to get hurt. Yeah, and you're going to need the starters. And you, you need the depth. You need to have yeah. guys that you can trust in the bullpen. That's not a, I, I think it, it's not a, a, a slight if you get moved to a middle reliever. And I know guys want to be starters or they want to be closers. That middle reliever uh, position is is unsexy for, for guys that have started or, or been in those positions. But it is a valuable and a critical part of a, of a baseball team. If you have guys that can do that, that you can get, a, uh, get your starter out in six innings and have reliable middle relievers you know aren't going to give up runs, aren't going to give up base hits so that you can get to the, to the reliever, uh, to the closer – you, you have to have those guys, and somebody has to do it, and somebody has to put their pride and their ego aside to be mm-hmm. willing to do that for the, for the betterment of the team. Buster only tweeting that the Dodgers and Rays have interest in former MVP Andrew McCutcheon. He's 52 hits away from 2,000 for his career. As we know, the Cardinals have significant interest in uh, catcher and only adds to that mix. And uh, one other note from yesterday is in addition to Trey Turner getting his deal with the Phillies and the Mets signing Justin Verlander and Clayton Kershaw getting his deal finalized, one year $20 million with the Dodgers because he passed his physical, this one I didn't see coming. The Red Sox have checked in with Aaron Judge's people about Judge coming to Boston. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't... Aaron Judge leaving the evil empire for Boston be something. <laughs> you, you, if you're the Yankees, you cannot allow him to go to your most hated rival. No. Can you? You, you. I mean, that better motivate you. It, it, it should have motivated you when he started hitting those home runs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the motivation should have been there uh, when he when he turned down the original contract and said, "Now nah, I'm gonna bet on myself and and put you all in a in a tough situation." But now, if the if the Red Sox are really checking in on him. Whew, you got to make you got to make some tough decisions and you need to make them quickly. That's CD. I'm Randy, and that is a look at the winter meetings rumor mill. We'll keep you up to date on those throughout the course of the morning. Coming up, the Blues have lost six of seven. Is there a level of dysfunction on the ice for the Blues? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. You guys have been around long enough. You've 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 followed a, a team that's been relatively stable for a lot of years, but you've seen us play a lot of unstable teams, and you, so you guys know what un, unstable teams look like. And when when we become unstable long enough, I think everyone's going to know. That is Doug Armstrong about a month ago talking about the St. Louis Blues. That was a tenth of the way into the season. So that was after eight or nine games when they had lost uh, five or six in a row. Six, I, I think it was. And the Blues, obviously, after that, went on a seven-game winning streak. I would suggest now, Kerry Davis, that with 
the Blues where they are right now, that there is a high level of instability. The team has a wide gap in terms of its older players and younger players in terms of age. There isn't a tremendous amount of quality. I don't think there's a player on the Blues right now where you'd say that player is an MVP candidate. Their $6 million a year goalie is not performing well and has declined now for a fifth straight season. He's declining. And they're 11-14 and and they're five points out of the last, last playoff spot. I think there's a tremendous amount of instability on this year's Blues team. Well, I, I think when you think of instability, when I think of instability, I think from the top down. So I, I don't think there's instability at the top. I think that there is inconsistent play night in and night out. And and we asked, I asked Panger earlier, you know, how do you get this team to play a full 60 minutes? And, and there was not really an answer because no one knows because you watch this team play and for – you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes of a game, you're like, oh, this team is, this team has some life. They are really good. And then you watch another 20 or 30 minutes, you say, what the hell am I watching? What are they doing? Why aren't they consistent enough? And and so when you're not consistent, it, it's it's either you lack the effort or you lack the talent. I don't, I don't think that they lack the talent. I think that the effort at times is just dwindling and, and, and it goes away and it's, it's well, someone else will make a play or someone else will do it or someone else will do it. And, and at some point you got to say, no, I am the one, mm-hmm. I'm here. This is my play to make. I got to make this play. I have to do this. And each person has to feel that way. When Ken Hitchcock was the Blues coach, and I brought this up before, he consistently referred to both Alexander Steen and Jaden Schwartz as the, the conscience of the team. And Steen would actually make his voice heard. Schwartzy led more by example. It's harder and harder and harder in every sport now to find leadership, to find guys in a room that will not necessarily call players out, but inform players as to what the right way to go about things is. Taking nothing away from Ryan O'Reilly, but there isn't a great deal of that sort of leadership in the Blues room right now. And that sort of leadership is what leads teams to deliver those 60-minute efforts of which you speak. And that's, to me, when we talk about instability, that's part of it. it because if, you're, if your effort, the core most important thing of the sport is effort and that's inconsistent to me that's unstable and they need to find a way to get somebody whether it's a coach and I don't think it's a coach's responsibility anymore but players in that room to be able to hold other people accountable so that they will provide the effort that we're talking about yeah you know people oftentimes think of oh the leader has to be the one screaming and shouting and and berating teammates or you you see Tom Brady on the sideline and he's in his lineman's face and 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 yelling and fussing and cussing that's not always the leadership that you need the the the, the leadership comes from I don't want to let that guy down. Mm-hmm. I, I he doesn't because he plays so hard. He gives me everything he has every single night. There is no way in hell I'm going to have him looking at me like I got four heads because I'm not doing yep. the same. I'm not working as hard or playing as hard as him. Now a guy that wasn't going to look at other players, but another guy that led by example and Bruby called him his favorite player. The engine of the team was Oscar Sundquist, mm. another guy who's not around anymore, who gave consistent 60-minute efforts. The guys that have replaced those players are not bad players. Right. Brandon Sod's not a bad player. Achari is not a bad player. Uh, whoever you want to say replaced, uh, uh, let's just 
I'm going to say that Saad replaced Schwartz. So whoever the left wing is that you want to plug in there and say has replaced team. They're not bad players. They're just different. And I think part of the issue with this team right now is its personality. It's it's core culture. You You need to have a culture of effort. And I don't think that in that room right now, that that exists among every one of the 18 skaters and the goalies. Would you say that they traded, not traded, but they they um, re- replaced those guys with more talented guys? The guys that now that you talked about, those guys, Steen and 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 um, uh, Schwartz, Schwartz, yep. they, they replaced them with more talented guys on this roster. Now, would you say that those guys now are more talented than those guys? I would say, yeah, across the board, they are. So, so. But that when we talk about the team not having an identity, that was the team's identity. Exactly. When you sometimes when you replace talent for grit, you may you may replace an an older guy, get younger, and say, oh, this guy is better. He is an upgrade. But there is something that you lack or are missing from that from that other guy that maybe didn't skate as fast, maybe didn't handle the puck as well, but he had something in him, a little something different that is missing or is lacking on this team right now, and and. For me, it seems to be that that grit guy, that guy that you know bites down on his on his on his mouthpiece and says, ah, "I'm not mm-hmm. going to let this happen." And when you have those guys, two or three of those guys, things get right quicker because you have, as I said, and especially if that if one of those guys is one of your best players, you do not want to let that guy down. That is that is the that's how this game is played. That's how all these games are played. I am playing this game for the guy next to me. There were times I didn't give a damn what the coach said. I couldn't care less. Man, whatever the hell you talking about, you matter the least in this moment because this man next to me is the one that is counting on me when I have to block this person in front of me. So that's the guy that I'm playing for. Yeah, I love you, coach, but I don't care. I care about this guy, and when when I'm working together with this person next to me, we, we're going to figure this thing out because he's more important to me in this moment than anyone else. And I don't know how you find that guy that is important to the, the younger players. I don't know how you find that guy right now. So if we use the word instability, another thing in that press conference that Doug Armstrong brought up was the word rebuild. Well, you're mediocre and you're the fourth oldest team in the league. I would suggest, Kerry, that they're much closer to rebuild than Stanley Cup champion right now. Probably. And, and, and you know, you're giving up... Uh, uh, I don't even know how many goals per game you're giving. A lot, two point five. It, it, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of goal, but they're coming in bunches, and and you're not stopping the the goalie isn't stopping it. The defenders aren't aren't playing well enough. They're not putting bodies on people to to move them from in front. That people are pretty much parking in front of the net at times. Like it's not a lot of physical toughness to this team right now, and and not a lot of grit, and so. One thing I, I I have always believed in, and and will believe in to the till my dying days. What you put put on film is who you are. Yep. And when people get to see who you, they're watching film. Their coaches are telling them, "Hey, fellas, we can take it to this team. They're not going to fight back. They don't have enough grit. They don't have enough determination." And that's what you're seeing from other teams when they face the Blues. Is I'm going to take this game to you, and even. Even if you get down, don't feel bad because they give up three goals in a period Mm -hmm. time after time after time. So we will get back into the game if we get down. Let me end this today's big thing with this. The 2019 Blues Stanley Cup official video starts with me and Bernie Miklas ripping the Blues for how bad they are. Oh. 
I hope they prove me wrong again. <laughs> I hope they do. I don't think they will, but I uh, hope they do. We need to have Bernie come on up and you all yeah. get to it. I'll just watch. I'll put it on video. We'll videotape it and put it out for content. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can, we can do that. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, Baker Mayfield, the first pick in the NFL draft just a few years ago, was waived by the Carolina Panthers, his second team. How bad is scouting of quarterbacks in the NFL? That's next. We'll give you an idea on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gary Davis, Randy Carricker, and CD, I want to start by giving the NFL scouts credit for the 2020 NFL Draft in which they selected as quarterbacks in the first 10 picks Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert. They were terrific. That was awesome. They were Good they job. were great. Otherwise, I think the evaluation of quarterbacks by NFL teams sucks. <laughs> 2019, the first pick in the draft was Kyler Murray. We've got a list of top 10 quarterback picks from the last decade. Kyler Murray, number one in 2019. Daniel Jones, who probably won't be with the Giants anymore after this year, was also taken in the top 10. And at number 15 that year was the late Dwayne Haskins, who went to Washington and was on his second team. 2018, Baker Mayfield, traded and now waived. Mm -hmm. Started with the Browns, obviously, and then the, the Panthers. Sam Darnold started with the Jets, went to the Panthers. Josh Allen is a star. And Josh Rosen was the 10th pick in the 2018 draft. 2017, Mitchell Trubisky. The Bears traded up to the second pick to get Mitchell Trubisky. Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson also went in that draft. Uh, Mahomes, obviously, the only one with his original team. 2016, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. 2015, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, both of those years, those were the one and two picks. 2014, Blake Bortles went third to the Jags. 2013, E.J. Manuel was the only quarterback taken in the first round. He went 16th to the Bills. 2012 was good. You had luck. RG3, who obviously got hurt and didn't finish his career where he started. And Ryan Tannehill, who's on his second team. I am amazed that NFL teams... Just roll the dice on quarterbacks. They miss a mm-hmm. lot. And it is few and far between where you get that that generational talent, that guy that can change your franchise. I'm looking at that 2012 draft with Luck, uh, Robert Griffin, and, and, and Tannehill. You got you got uh, Russell Wilson and, and Kirk Cousins in that draft as mm-hmm. well. Right. <laughs> and Nick Foles in that draft as well. well but they're drafted later. Washington took... RG three with and, the second pick and Cousins, Cousins in the fourth yeah, round. Yeah. Yes, so you are you are. It is hard to find that guy, and and I will say it's 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 hard to find that guy, but it's also not always on the player. Sometimes they go to places where they have no clue what the hell yep. they're doing, and they ruin good players. They ruin their opportunities to be the best version of themselves, whether it's... And think about this, Randy. This is the most important part of all of that. When you're being drafted early in a, in, in, in the draft, first 10, 15, you're going to a bad team. Yep. That team probably won two games the year before if you're the first overall pick. They may have won five games if you're the, the, the eighth, seventh or eighth pick. You're not going to a team that is stacked with studs that is going to allow you to be the best version that you can be. You're going to a team that needs help, and mm-hmm. they're drafting you praying that you can figure some things out and help them. All right. 
Let's take a look at the the nebulous QBR rating that ESPN owns but won't share with anybody. <laughs> but we'll, we'll throw it out there, okay? Patrick Mahomes leads in QBR. 12th pick in the draft, right? Or no, he was 10th. He, they, they traded up to 10 to get him. Mahomes was 10th. Tua is 2nd. Josh Allen is 3rd. But then you have Hertz, a 2nd rounder, who's 4th. Geno Smith, a 2nd rounder, who's sat for a long time, who's 6th or 5th in QBR. And then Goff, who's not that great. Jacoby Brissett is number seven in QBR. Derek Carr, another second rounder, is eighth. Lamar, 32nd pick in the draft, is ninth. Dak Prescott, a fourth rounder, is tenth. And he's a guy that has a chance to play in the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. Because of this list that we have, of the lack of success the teams have had in drafting quarterbacks, if I have a top 10 pick and I have that team that you're talking about that won two, three, four, five games last yeah. year, I'm building my offensive line before I get my quarterback. You should, because if you get the quarterback and don't have anybody to protect them, you're not. <laughs> he's RG3. Or he's Andrew Luck. He's trying to figure out how the hell am I going to throw this ball to anyone when there's someone sitting in my lap to the point where I have lacerated kidneys and I want to and I want to retire and not play this game anymore because I'm getting beat the hell up every Sunday. And so if you are if you have any any clue, I think what 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 Seattle did when they were on their championship runs, when they were having a very good team, they drafted Russell Wilson in the fourth round. They had a team around him yep. of guys that could play football. They went out and and, and, and signed Matt, Lynn, uh, Matt Flynn to a contract, but when Russell got there and they realized, oh, this guy's better. I'm going to play the younger guy. And so you have an opportunity to build your franchise, build your team, and that team goes to two Super Bowls. Winning one should have won two. But you, you got a Super Bowl, you got a championship out of that run with those guys. Okay, Kerry Davis played on a Michael Vick playoff team in Atlanta, mm-hmm. played with Peyton Manning in Indianapolis, played with Ben Roethlisberger. What is a common denominator among winning quarterbacks that we don't see, that, that doesn't happen on the field? You have to understand the game. I, well, with Mike, he was so freakishly athletic, it did not really matter what people did versus him. But with Peyton, he was he was so cere- cerebral, he understood every nuance of the game. Ben was, was a guy that was... He probably was a mix between both. Not as athletic, obviously, as Mike, but a freak of nature that you could not tackle and he could extend plays because of his because of his size. When defensive linemen get back there, he's not going to the ground. And now he's going to extend that play at five, six, seven seconds, and he's going to find receivers downfield. So the, the, the combination of athletic ability, you know, size and stature, mm-hmm. and the understanding and the knowledge of football, all of those things are what make quarterbacks great. And if you have a guy that is all three – like what Cam Newton was at one mm-hmm. point in his career, you have a guy that is going to be hard to beat. During the break, you and I were talking about what a lot of people refer to as the it factor. Yeah. Last night we saw Brady get big at a big time. Mm-hmm. We've never seen Mitch Trubisky get big at a big time. Can you feel the it factor when you're a player? Yeah, you know who who has it and who doesn't. I mean, you you have <laughs> you have my one of my one of my favorite teammates, Antonio Holmes, is, has it. He's a guy that. Give me the ball. I'm going to make a play. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to make a play. I'm going to. Like he was. T- I'm talking to us. I'm going to score the game winning touchdown. I know it. He felt that in himself. That's who he is. And you love having those guys on your team. The problem is when you have to look in that in that huddle or look on that bench and look around that team and try to figure out who who is that guy. Yeah. Right. Who, right. Who, who who is he? Where is he? Who who's going to make a play? That's when you have trouble. And if your quarterback is that guy, like Ben was, like Kurt Warner was as well, yep. and Larry Fitzgerald were, they just ran out of time. 
uh, in that Super Bowl against us, they, those are guys you know have it. And when you see them, it, it is no doubt about it. And this is why the next decade in the AFC can be great. Because we all we look forward to Mahomes versus Allen. We look forward to Mahomes versus Burrow. We look for, forward to Burrow versus Allen. Justin Herbert, I think, is going to join that group. He's got to get, get Coach. Get, yep, he's got to get big at big times. Yeah. But those three, they all seem to to get big at big times. They do. Patrick is is probably, I mean, number one on that list. And, and, but you you say that, and then I think back to that AFC Divisional game with Josh Allen. If he'd have got the ball one more time, yeah. <laughs> Josh Allen might have won. Right. So you you, it is those guys. It's almost a Randy. It's almost a thing like I don't care. Not in yeah. a bad way. Like Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't really care. And and that really allows him to free up and be the best person, the best player he can be because he does not care what you think, what I think, what the opposing team thinks. I'm going to make this play. I know I am. They know I am. And, and here it comes. That's what made Mike Mart such a great coach because he had a coach, he had a coach that had that attitude. Yes. I don't care. Yeah. You go throw an interception? I don't care. We're right. going to score on them next time. Right. Uh, you, you know what? Hey, uh, Jason Seahorn, we're going to throw over you all day long. Uh, Chargers, Rodney Harrison, you're going to take our quarterback's knee out. We'll play you two years later. We'll throw in the first 17 <laughs> plays of the game. He, he just he didn't care. He, he was great coach. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Billikens at Iona tonight. We're going to talk to the voice of the Billikens, our good friend Bob Ramsey, next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Oh, we do love that basketball. When 101 ESPN started before 14 years ago on January 1st, the fast lane was DeMarco Farr, myself, and one Bob Ramsey, who is the voice of St. Louis University. And I was just driving down the road yesterday, and I heard the song El Paso by Marty Robbins. And Rammer and I, on a regular basis, used to break into song in the fast lane, singing, Out in the West Texas town of El Paso, I fell in love with a Mexican. Anyway. How you doing, man? Hey, fellas. That that is that feels like coming home singing that song with you, Randy. That's great, <laughs> Carrie. It's great to talk to you, man. You're doing a terrific job, Rammer. I want to thank you so much. You were one of the first few people when I first started doing this. I don't know, eight, seven, eight, nine years ago. Um, just always very helpful and very uh, kind and giving words of wisdom. So I thank you and I appreciate you for all of the things that you've helped me with throughout my entire career. Oh, you bet! You bet, my pal. It's uh, it's it's great to hear you on and drive time with Randy. You guys are a terrific team. It's really fun. Listen every day. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, you guys are in New York to take on Iona, and that, I know that was a big deal last year for Travis Ford to get to coach against Rick Pitino. I have to believe things haven't changed this year. They're very close. Um, Rick coached him at, at Kentucky. And uh, uh, he, he's a friend and a mentor. And I mean, I've talked to Travis in the past and uh, about it. And he really means the world to him. It's a, it's a very uh, stressful, emotional time for Travis to play and coach against him. But Travis is a pro and he's so competitive um, that um, that's the stuff that, that comes out. But, yeah, it's a meaningful game anyway. And then you put on top of it the the emotion of going against Patino. It's a big deal. 
Hey, Rummer, this team is 7-2, uh, and two, number one in the A-10 right now. How good can this team be, and, and is there a potential for them to make the term- tournament and make a run in the tournament? Well, they better make they better make the tournament, or we got some problems. <laughs> we got we, we, that 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 is the expectation. What are the goals? The goals would be to make a run. Um, you know, uh, I, I've used it a lot because it's what really comes to mind in the movie The Natural. Wilfred Brimley, who plays the manager, says near the end, "I don't care about winning the World Series. I just wanted to get there." Mm-hmm. I've been doing Division One basketball for forty years, and I've never been to the second weekend. Wow. And and the second weekend, that's where you want to. That's you got to get there. And that to me, that's that's where this team can go. But right now, today, um, in my view, it's a team that's not quite ready. But it has the makings. It has the uh, it, you know it has the ingredients to get there. Um, but we haven't fulfilled the potential yet. All right, so it's the holiday season, so let's let's look at it in terms of, of baking cookies. Those ingredients, what do we need to do to get them to the oven and be ready? Boy, that's a great call. You know, um, don't forget the vanilla. Mm-hmm. It's important. Don't over-chip. You can't <laughs> over-chip. And really? So, oh, you can't over-chip. You really can't. You really can't. And so the, the, the key is to find that perfect balance. And, and then there's the other, the other secret is melt the butter. <laughs> so find out who the melted butter is and find, and when I say don't over chip as it relates to the team guys, I think it means finds the, the right balance of minutes and the mix in your rotation. Now that can change from game to game with foul trouble and, injury and who's just having a bad game and who's having a great game right so but all those things come into it and finding that i still think sincere parker is a wild card for this team he was the top scorer in junior college last year and i think there's another level for him the last time the billikens won the a10 tremaine isbell was that guy and it took him until really february to really kind of figure it out i think parker is ahead of that um and, and I think he's a real key. And then can, can um, Javante Perkins melt the butter? Can his legs, can he start, can his strength come back in his destroyed knee? And can he start to get back to where he was two years ago? Hey, Rammer, when I, when I watch Yuri Collins, he, he seems as though the game is never too fast for him. He plays at his own pace, and he really is able to dictate the game. What have you seen from him you know, throughout his career and the maturation of, of him being the point guard of this team and, and leading this team in the way that he does? He's an ice-cold assassin. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no question. He's ice-cold. And does he have – you know when he really gets emotional – how about this? When he draws a charge, Kerry, you you know you played at the highest level, and when you do the team mm-hmm. things that your team rallies around, that's huge. It's gotten to the point where teammates know if they they got to work to get to the spot to be open, and they will do it because they know Yuri will find them. Whether it's on a fast break, whether it's on a back cut or a screen and roll, whatever it might be, they know, so they're confident in that. And then you see the other stuff. Um, but that's when the emotion comes out on Yuri Collins. But he absolutely orchestrates the game. Um, and one of the ways you can really tell is he's not scoring, not taking many shots, get everybody involved. And then you saw it the other night against the Salukis. Things got really tight. 
you give credit to SIU for locking down some guys. So what happens? He goes, we need some buckets here. And he goes out and gets some buckets. He, he really knows – he knows how to run a game. He is worth the price of admission. Want to touch on a couple oh, yeah. of other guys. Number one, I didn't see Jake Forrester coming, but it seems like if Okoro gets into foul trouble, Jake Forrester really is a viable alternative for him. Yeah, you know, they're splitting the minutes um, really, really well. And while Okoro, we talked about at the beginning, we talked about high ceilings for the team. Franco, at the end of last year, was a double-double machine. Um, he's a kid that... Um, that may have some confidence issues where everybody really pulls for him, but but you know how it is. You got you got to perform to feel good about yourself, and he's getting there. It's starting to come, and and uh, but bigs get into foul trouble. That's just part of the deal of being a big, right? And that's where Forrester comes through and can really give valuable 15, 18, 20 minutes a game where you don't lose much if at all, and maybe even brings a couple of little different things to the table that Okoro doesn't do. So it's a really nice tandem. And then the other guy, uh, Rammer, and they do it in different ways, but a few years ago, Billikens had a really good transfer from Michigan State named Javon Bess. This yeah. year, it's Javon Pickett, and they're they're getting to the finish line in different ways, but accomplishing the same things for the team th- that the other di- did or does. Yeah, you know, um, Watching Pickett at Mizzou, you knew he was a terrific player, but he's way better than I than I Me too. thought or had anticipated. You know, he's led the team in scoring the last three games, and he's another. He was an X factor. Where now, well, who are you going to guard if you if you're putting together a game plan against the Billikens? Who are you going to guard? And he really presents a matchup problem because he is willing and capable of defending. You know, six eight, six nine power forwards. Yet, can they guard him? He's too quick for him, and so um, uh, he's a nightmare for other teams. And, and his scoring ability, he can score at all three levels: at the rim, mid range. He's shooting threes, and they need another big game from him tonight. Iona's got a couple of bigs that are kind of scary. Hey, Rummer, we had uh, Travis Ford on a couple of weeks ago, and I was asking him, I said, Coach, it seems like you you pretty much live and die with every possession. He's, he's moving around. He's sliding his feet. He's getting in place to take the charge, the imaginary charge. What do you see from him and, and his energy that he brings to, to his team? What do I see? I see a crazy man. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know what's really amazing about him, whether he's screaming at an official or yelling at one of his own players – kicking the the table in front of us, he lets it go immediately, and he's back. Where um, that's that's how he deals with the stress. Um, It's taken me a few years to figure that out, but none of those things linger. He doesn't harbor those things. He explodes, he lets it out, boom, and now he's back, focused, and ready to coach the next moment, the next play. It really, I'd love to get a couple of psychiatrists uh, (laughs) in on him, but when we're on the games, like at home, and most of the time on the road, but when we're he's right in front of us, it's uh, it's quite an amazing. I don't want to use the word show because he doesn't do it for show. He is real. He is for real. But it is um, uh, an amazing um, uh, viewing. Uh, I gotta say, show. It's, it's quite a show. Experience. It's quite a show. It's a, it's a, it's, for, a while, for a while there, Randy or, and Carrie, 
uh, he would grab our water bottles and slam them down, things like that. So finally, Earl started putting his initials on the cap so he would know which was his to throw. Uh, Rammer, when I, I can tell you from personal experience, coaching 14 to 18-year-olds and Travis coaching 18 to 22-year-olds, you have to get that energy out at some point. Otherwise, <laughs> it may be directed at someone's child, and we no one wants that. No. You know, uh, he's so great. He, he admittedly, he uses the phrase, coach his heart. He does coach hard. But um, he also embraces the family feel of the team. And like I say, you know, Kerry, he, he'll yell at you for a stupid turnover or something. No offense, man. He'll yell at you and get on you. But then, then it's gone. It's over. All right, let's get back to doing what we're supposed to do. He really, he really finds an amazing balance in that. Rammer and Earl will have the call tonight on KMOX at 6 o'clock. Rammer, in an amazing twist here on the opening drive. Following you, our next guest is going to be Mike Claiborne. How about that? Carrie, you don't know this, but when Mike and I first met, we were we roomed on the road with Billiken basketball. That's oh. going back going back thirty two years. I have, amazing. I have a photo in our office with Klabes, Rammer, me, Randy Liebler, I think Warren Mays, and Gene Stallings. In Kansas City. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Those were the days. Going to see Coach Stallings. We all revere Coach Stallings. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Rammer, have fun tonight at Iona. We'll be tuned in. Thanks so much for the time. We'll talk to you soon. I'll be listening. See you, boys. All right, brother. See you. Take care. Bob Ramsey, voice of the Billikens here on 101 ESPN. And as we said, Mike Claiborne is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and we head out to the West Coast. The MLB winter meetings are going on in San Diego, and Mike Claiborne is there. He joins us for his normal Tuesday morning visit. Good morning, Michael. How you doing? I'm doing well. I just I'm looking outside in San Diego. The sun's up, and uh, mm. it's all good. No complaints yet. Do you still have the marine layer? That's pretty much every morning, yeah. right, in San Diego? Yeah, yeah. It's every day. But I gotta tell you something, man. It gets a little chilly out here at night. It does. <laughs> man, you know, I, I was looking for a sweater last night, man. And, and for some reason, every restaurant you go to, they leave the doors open. And the wind's blowing through there, man. I mean, it's not like gale force last night. I'm like, alright. One, one, two things are gonna happen. Well, one thing's gonna Either the door gets closed or I'm going to close the door as I leave. <laughs> I'm not going to stay here much longer. Claves, we woke up to fog where you couldn't see about 20, 25 feet in front of you this morning. I, at least I couldn't. Really? Yeah, it hey, was did bad. You see that photo somebody took over St. Louis when the fog was in town last week? And the only thing you could see was like a couple of buildings in the arch. I did right see that. at the top of the yep. arch, yeah. Yep. Fascinating photo. Yeah, so you didn't have. It was kind of like that day for you guys. Yeah, it exactly. Was, it was bad this morning. All right, uh, anything going on with the Cardinals to this point in in the winter meetings? Well, you know what they are they are they are aggressive. And I was with Mo last night, and he met with the media. And I've never seen him more convicted about a project than getting a catcher. Um, I and so you know somebody asked him, "Will you leave here with with a deal?" And he was. He said, you know, you never know, but, you know, we'd, we'd like to come home with something. Um, they know what they want. They know how to get it. They know what it's going to cost. And I think that they're trying to 
figure out the best way because they have options. You know, you can make a trade. There's some free agents out there. And, you know, there's like four guys that you can get. And each one of them brings a different value to your ball club. And maybe one of them has a shortcoming somewhere. But when it's all said and done, they're going to get what they're going to get a good catcher. Is there one catcher in particular that you feel that they are favoring over the others? Or is it is it all just we're wait and see? Well, I think it's Sean Murphy is the guy, but at what price? Mm-hmm. And, and because you're going to have to trade for him. And so I was playing general manager with somebody last night, and you know how it is. And, and Randy, you know how it is when we were doing sports open line, and, you know, you want to offer up like <laughs> a bag of balls, you know, for an all-star. And they were like, look, man, they, they, you don't do deals like that anymore. Everybody knows what the other guy has. So it's one of those situations that they have to be able to say to themselves, we don't want this deal to come back to haunt us. And I've always felt like, hey, if you get the right guy, who cares what the other guy does? You hope that he does has a good career, but who cares? You know, it, it, obviously you thought he wasn't good enough to help you other than putting him in a deal. So, you know, you got to live with it. Claims one of the things that you've been really consistent about is that the Cardinals need more arms and the starting pitchers are coming off the market and the Cardinals weren't going to be in that 30, 35, 40 million dollar a year range anyway. But it seems like Quintana might be coming back to the market for the Cardinals. I'm I'm sure he's going to get a good amount of money. But what sense do you get about them with their feelings about Quintana right now? Well, you know, I asked Mo that question last night. I asked him, have you guys had conversations with Quintana's camp? And, you know, Mo, well, you know, we never discussed, you know, (laughs) current players. But I get the feeling that they realize that he can be helpful to them. He's not a front-end rotation guy, but he's a guy that can anchor your rotation. And after this year, they don't have many guys on the books contractually. So they've got to figure out some things. And to have him around for another year or two, I think would be beneficial for the organization. Because uh, if you think they're scrambling to find a catcher, just wait until next year when they're scrambling to figure out what the pitching looks like in 24. Hey, hey uh, Trey Turner signing with the Philadelphia Phillies um, and the Padres seeming to be out of the shortstop market. Are, are the Cardinals still potentially looking at that position as well? Or is it solely catcher number one and then uh, pitcher and filling out some other spots? I, I think, Kerry, it's catcher number one. If a shortstop drops in your lap, so be it. Although Mo was very emphatic yesterday about Tommy Edmond is our shortstop. And he said it multiple times. Tommy Edmond is our shortstop. So I think that they feel like get a catcher, get more pitching, and get another bat in the lineup, and they, they think they can take on the world. And you know what? As the season goes on, there'll be a, there'll be a player that'll be available to him somewhere along the way. Hey, Claves, I, I love the idea of having Bryce Harper and uh, Trey Turner on my team if I'm the Phillies. I, I like it for the next four or five years. I don't know if I like the back end of these deals where those guys are going through their 36, 37, 38 for Turner, his 40, 41 seasons. You know what, Randy? It's kind of like a marriage. It's, it sounds like a great idea. But then you, if you get the wrong one and 10 years later you're saying to yourself, what am I doing with this? I, I, it's kind of the same way. And for those who have been married beyond that time, you know what I'm talking about where you're, you're very fortunate. But, you know, guys don't – I mean, think about what guy has lived out a contract and at the end you said to yourself, man, this guy was good. And I, and I think Matt Holliday is one of the few guys that's worn a Cardinal uniform. They had a long-term deal that – 
you, you kind of got your money's worth out mm-hmm. of him. But I, you can't say that. And if you don't think so, ask the angels about Albert. And really, you know, any... 10 years, 10 years is a long time in any profession. Mike, I, I would argue that there hasn't been a 10-year contract that work out, worked out for the signing team. People say, well, I agree. for me, A-Rod with the, the Rangers, did it work out for the Rangers? I mean, they traded him after two years. So, exactly. And the same thing with Stan with the Marlins. I, I just don't see those deals. And I get the Cardinals' philosophy on not wanting to pay the back ends of those deals because historically they just haven't worked out. You know what? So I was having this discussion yesterday. If you're a player and you're a team, do a three-year, do a four-year and, and give him all the money he needs because then he gets out of line. If he's really good, he can do this again. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, then so be it. You can move on from him. I just, you know, I, I, I know guys like the money and they want to spread it out. And I get it. But if I'm a player and if I'm an owner, you know, hey, I'm going to front load this thing because I'm going to get you when, in your prime because I don't want to see you when, you, when you're, you know, decaying right in front of me. I'm still writing out a check to you, and you feel bad because you can't produce anymore. Uh, I would go that route. So, you know, if the Cardinals don't – if a guy says, I want eight years, yeah, okay, man, we're good. We're, we're, good luck to you wherever you go. Hey, Clay, is that- I, I don't, it doesn't work that way. Hey, Claves, I'm, I want to get your thoughts on what uh, you thought about Justin Verlander signing with the Mets. Uh, two-year deal for $86 million. Uh, I, I'm 40 years old. He's I'm 41. He's 40. I, I'm feeling like I played the wrong sport, and, and I wish I had could go back in time. Kerry, I've been waiting to get on that time machine myself for <laughs> I don't know how many years now. I'm just trying to figure out what sport I would have been that good at that I could have done it. You know, uh, but you're right, man. And, you know, kudos to him, man. And you know what? It, it says a lot. And I was talking to somebody yesterday about Verlander. And uh, it was Dusty. And, no, and it was Greg Amsinger who, who was talking to Verlander during the World Series. And he's kind of found a new life. You know, he said, I'm being a better husband. I'm being a better father. I'm being a better pitcher. And I want to be a better teammate. Because he never really enjoyed the game. Uh, leading up until now, and now he's having fun with life. He takes good care of himself. You know, I got to tell you something. When, if, when whoever faces the match and have to deal with those two guys back to back days, you know, I might have the flu. <laughs> I, might have, no. I might have COVID twenty three or something, man, where I don't have to face those guys because that's going to be a handful. No when doubt. They're both healthy. Yeah. Hey, Klaibs, uh, you're down in San Diego. Uh, what do you have happening at Klaibs uh, Online? Well, I would suggest everybody go online and, and check out my visit with Dusty Baker. Uh, we had a chance, and I've known Dusty for a long time, and just sitting there talking to him after winning the World Series, and he gave some great advice for people who want to get in the game. Whether you're a player or a manager or whatever, he had some great advice. So I would suggest everybody go check out check out my visit with Dusty Baker. Uh, that's going on this week. Uh, obviously, we got huddle up with Howard Richards. That's coming up on Thursday, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow uh, at the MAC. So we got a lot of fun things coming up here on ClavesOnline.com. Safe travels. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great day. All right, you guys take care. We'll see, see you later. You That's Mike Claiborne, uh, 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk to Mizzou running back Cody Schrader, getting ready for the Gasparilla Bowl. Cody is next with Kerry and Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Now first and goal. 
Schrader trying to get to the corner, and he's in there. Touchdown, Missouri. Cook will check down. Schrader trying to make something happen. Whoa! Cody Schrader on third and a mile converts the first down. Unbalanced into the boundary. And it's Schrader who bounces his way to the goal line. Touchdown, Tigers. The pride of Truman State. Walks on and becomes the leading back for the Missouri Tigers. They give it to Schrader, and Schrader is able to break free. Schrader across the 40. Schrader out toward midfield. Schrader eventually tackled by Breedy. He's got a first down. To call him the little train that could, he's going to say, to heck with you. I could all along. They just didn't believe me. With Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and those are highlights from the season of Cody Schrader, the leading rusher for Mizzou in 2022, had 691 yards on the ground, led the team with eight touchdowns, and joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Cody, thanks for taking some time. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. I want to start with this. You're actually running the ball. You're down on the field, so you don't get to hear a lot of the highlights. How'd that sound? You know, that was pretty cool, you know, something I'm not really used to. So it was good uh, to kind of hear that. And I never really watched one of the games, you know, back and kind of heard the announcers and stuff like that. So it was uh, definitely cool to hear. Now, Cody, I want to take you back to high school. You had a, a, a hell of a career at Lutheran South, uh, one of the most outstanding players, I'm sure, in their, in their history of the program. I do have an issue, though. You got 99 rushing touchdowns, Cody. You couldn't get across the goal line one more time. <laughs> yeah, then- so I had to have a funny <laughs> I actually have a funny story about that. So there was, I forgot which, I think it was like one of the last games. Um, we were beating a team, uh, you know, by a lot. And my quarterback at the time, his name is Vito Orlando. And uh, he knew I was one touchdown away. I don't know if he knew at the time, but we were in like an inside zone concept, like on the goal line. And he pulled the ball and <sighs> I, he like followed me into it and was laughing behind me. <laughs> And, and that's something we I give up every time I see him. I want to you know I kind of want to fight him every time. But he's one of my best friends and stuff like that. And I looked at him, and now we talk about it. It's like you know if you would have handed me that ball, I probably would have had a hundred. Um, and that's something you know we laugh about that day. But yeah, now I have a problem with that too. So anytime we see that guy, you know, it's, uh, it's on <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So Cody, after your high school career, you 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 went to take your talents to uh, Truman State, a Division two school, and I, I'm sure there was a little bit of frustration uh, knowing how well you played in high school and and having to go D2 what was your mindset going to play football there and, and and knowing that you had to take care of your business yeah my mindset then was you know I, of course there was frustration and you know a little bit of like you know anger and set, you know whatever all those emotions that I didn't think I got to you know to go to the big school and have that opportunity but you know looking back on it now you know, I'm so thankful for that journey just to be able to develop um and you know then potentially you know now looking at it um I didn't have to go to a big school and maybe sit for two, three years and develop and play behind, you know, guys who are already at, you know, say a Mizzou um, and stuff like that. So I actually got to go to a college, you know, a good football program that I got to develop. I got to shine. I got to play. Um, and, you know, looking back on it, I'm just very thankful for that opportunity. And it's one thing to be the bell cow at Truman State. Another thing altogether, I would think, to be a bell cow for an SEC team, being the leading rusher, being the leading touchdown guy, the guy that uh, they call your number in key situations. How has what you thought Mizzou was going to be lived up to what the reality is? Yeah, you know, uh, if, if I'm just speaking, you know, the truth, I never thought I would, you know, be the starting running back or even have the opportunity to get as many carries um, that I, I did. And just, you know, truly just, you know, just thankful and um, for the coaches and stuff and, and just the players that have that trust 
in me to be able to, you know, do that. And they thought, you know, I could help them win football games and be able to, you know, just be a, you know, just a small part of the offense and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just the whole opportunity, um, did not see what it, I did not think it was going to be, you know, what it was. And just, uh, just very thankful to coach drink and the co- whole coaching staff and the team. Um, just for having that trust in me. Hey Cody, what was the biggest transition coming from D2 to, to, to an SEC school? Yeah, I think, the, like, especially just playing in the SEC, just the physicality and just, like, the, you know, defenses just don't make as many mistakes as, you know, maybe a, playing a D2 team at Truman State. Um, everybody's just, you know, where they're supposed to be at the right times all the time. So you really got to make people miss. You really got to, you know, take advantage of those opportunities when, you know, uh, defenses do make mistakes to hopefully get big plays and stuff like that. But, yeah, just uh, just how disciplined um, a lot of the defenses are. Mizzou running back Cody Schrader with us on 101 ESPN. Cody, you guys are going to play in the Gasparilla Bowl. The Gasparilla Bowl is based upon a mythical pirate named Jose Gaspar, also known as, I guess it's Gasparilla, uh, who's a popular figure in Florida folklore, even though there's no evidence that Jose Gaspar actually existed. So you're going to be playing in a bowl (laughs) named after a guy that may or may not have existed. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's a lot of some information to take in. I, am. <laughs> I mean, where did they come up with these bowl games? But, uh, no, it's definitely just a huge honor, uh, you know, to be able to play in that. So, and hopefully, maybe we can kind of figure out if he existed or not when we're done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good. <laughs> How excited are you yeah. to be playing in the bowl game? I know, you know, that, that's a a fun time. It was for me uh, in college. Everyone eventually will leave campus, and the campus is going to be pretty empty. But you all are going to be there doing your work. How excited are you uh, for this opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge honor. And just, you know, hearing just from the coaches um, on our staff and the players that have played in bowl games, they said it's one of the, you know, the opportunities and one of the like, memories that you'll remember forever. And it's just an amazing experience to be able to play another football game and just experience. Um, you know, if that's something you've always wanted to do as a kid, you've always heard about the, you know, bowl games at the big, you know, at Division One schools and stuff like that. So just a huge honor. And, you know, I'm just very thankful that, you know, that we are, I get to play one more football game. Cody, uh, obviously, it's a bummer to lose Dominic Lovett, who is another East St. Louis guy. But you've got yourself, you've got Luther Burden, you've got Brady Cook, a couple of others. How cool is it to represent St. Louis for Mizzou at a bowl game? Yeah, man, it's a, it's a huge honor. I remember when Coach Drink, uh, before the first football game, that he said there was going to be a chance that the whole offense would just be from St. Louis. Um, and I think that's just, you know, just an amazing thing for us and something that everybody from St. Louis definitely just takes pride in. And know, we know what that um, means to you know St. Louis people and um, and how big they are for this and you know, how much they believe in Mizzou football. So it's definitely something that we take pride in and something that we don't take for granted. Um, and you know something that uh, we're very thankful that we even have the opportunity to you know to be on the field. Have you guys even started working on Wake Forest yet? Do you know anything about Wake Forest? Uh, no, not yet. So, um, but I know that's uh, going to start coming up here soon. You know, for bowl prep and and stuff like that. And are you in the midst of finals right now? Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're finishing up our our classes and getting ready for finals um, in the upcoming week. So. Um, just, you know, steady grinding on that. All right. Good luck with that. Have fun. Good luck in the Gasparilla Bowl down in Tampa. Have a, a great trip. And thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Congratulations on, on your season. 
Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much for having me. All right. Cody Schrader with us on 101 ESPN. What a, a great kid. Thanks to our friend Demetrius Johnson, yeah. by the way, for uh, hooking us up with Cody. And uh, what a great job by and a great story by Cody Schrader. It is a great story. And it is a, a message to all the kids out there. I mean, this is the time, you know, it's recruiting season. There are coaches coming into schools. And it may not be the level that you think you can play at or you, you should be playing at. But he took the opportunity that was given to him. He had a, a hell of a high school career. I mean, mm-hmm. there are there are a lot of kids who do not have those numbers who expect more for their their potential uh, college next phase than than he he was able to get. And so, you know, the fact that he was able to go there, he said he was able to play right away, uh, didn't have to sit and sit behind anyone, able to play in games, and really tore it up, and really got an opportunity to go on to the next level. Um, you know, walked on and now is on scholarship. Just a hell of a story of perseverance and just continuing to go after what you feel like you deserve, uh, but not complaining and not whining and just going through it and getting it done. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Coming up, there's a struggling offense in the NFL, and the coach doesn't want to change it because. Because it's too damn hard. We'll tell you who it is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I think we need to do what we're doing better. Yeah, I don't think at this point making a lot of dramatic changes is it's too hard to do that. We we need we're, if we can just do consistently what we were doing, uh, we'll I think we'll be all right. But we just haven't been able to have enough consistency, you know, and that's hurt us. It's not one thing. It's just one time. It's one thing. Next time it's something else. We just have to we just have to play more consistent, play and coach more consistently. Bill Belichick's team is 28th in first downs. They are 25th in third down efficiency. They're 25th in sacks per pass play, and they're 25th in interception percentage. Uh, They're 20th in points per game at 20.75. And his quarterback, Mac Jones, threw a tantrum on the sideline last week saying, hey, we've got to throw the ball deeper. And as you heard Belichick say in that cut from the Greg Hill Show on WEEI in Boston, I don't think at this point making a lot of dramatic changes, it's too hard to do that. It shouldn't be too hard to change philosophically during the season. I get not installing new items, although Mike Martz did it on a pretty consistent basis with a lot of success with albeit a lot of Hall of Fame players, right? But it seems to me, C.D., and you played, so you know better than I, that at least philosophically they should be able to change some things to open that offense up a little bit. Well, I think what what Bill was saying is it's too hard to change, to flat out change the offense or change an offensive coordinator and go in a completely different direction because of the terminology. If you are to change your coordinator, it has to be someone that is calling the same plays, maybe not in the same order and the same rhythm, um, but the same plays, the same terminology because it's too hard to change that type of terminology this late in the season. You've been practicing this since uh, since mini camps and, and, and summer camps and OTAs. So you're, you're almost 10, 12 months in of this offense, 10 months in of this offense. So it's going to be difficult to change it now. But, but the interesting part for me is 
that Matt Patricia, they came into the season not knowing or not naming the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, it came out that Matt Patricia was the offensive coordinator. Well, he was a defensive coordinator some years back. He was a head coach, but prior to that, he was the defensive coordinator. You normally don't see guys flip-flopping you know, from offensive coordinator to defensive coordinator or vice versa. And and maybe there is a, a bit of an issue um, with what's going on. Now, in in Matt Patricia's defense, that game that they played last week, there was nowhere to throw the ball deep. They were calling the deep passes, but all he could do was check it down because of the coverage that was behind mm-hmm. it. So if you're the quarterback, you have to understand what coverages are being played and where the ball needs to go. And he made a good job. He did a good job of checking it down when needed to, but if you want to throw the ball deep, the defense is going to dictate that, not the play calling. It's not about calling the plays to throw the ball deep. If they're sitting in cover four and they got four people back, mm-hmm. how the hell are you going to throw the ball deep, Mac Jones? You well, can't. That, and there's a couple of things that go into this. Number one, their receivers are Jacoby Myers and Davante Parker and Nelson Aguilar. Nobody's ever going to compare those three or confuse those three with Bruce Holt and Akeem, right? No. And Mac Jones does not have the biggest arm in the world anyway, if you want to throw deep. So philosophically, they're probably doing all they can. But if your quarterback thinks he can do it, maybe that's a problem too. So it seems to me they have multiple issues. A quarterback that probably is flattering himself about his capabilities. And then, as you say, an offensive coordinator who... Knows what bothers defensive coordinators, yeah. but there's a difference between knowing what bothers defensive coordinators and knowing how to attack a defense. Calling offensive plays is a rhythm. You have to get in a rhythm and understanding of who you are in, in terms of what you do well and what the opposing defenses do well or don't do well and try to exploit that. And and, and it becomes a rhythm of it. If, if you want to take a shot downfield, the best way to take it is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action on first down and take a shot downfield because that's generally when the defense is going to be coming up trying to make a tackle on the running back. It's not going to be dropping back from shotgun, you know, taking a three-step, five-step drop and trying to throw the ball past defenders when you don't have a strong enough arm and you don't have the playmakers outside that are going to go make those plays for you that that's not common sense football Matt Patricia probably understands that Mac Jones is the one that needs to get on the same page but they do have to figure something out offensively to get going and the reality of the situation is if Matt Patricia had Rob Gronkowski running down the middle and he had uh, Amendola or Welker or Julian Edelman running crossing routes He's going to be a lot better at his job. Yeah. If he's got Brady throwing it to those guys, he's going to be a lot better at his job. And Matt Patricia just doesn't have the tools right now to be great as an offensive coordinator. Yeah. And there was a, a time where Bailey Zappi came in and was yeah. was having some success in the passing game. So, again, there's a fine line between the defenses you're playing, the plays that you're calling, and the quarterback being able to make those plays. It's a, it's a combination of all of those things being able to be successful. And, and if one of those things is not working well, you're going to have trouble being, uh, being able to throw the ball deep down the field. Do you think the Patriots are a playoff quality team? If the playoffs started today, they would be the first team out. They're 6-6. Six and six, The Jets are 7-5. and five. Are they playoff quality? No. I don't, I don't think so. I, 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 I've watched them play... As I said, they they played and performed a little bit better when when Zappy was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like to me the offense seemed a little bit more fluid than what it feels like right now. Um, but I don't think so. It's going to be hard in that division to to 
that they're going to be the last team in that division. That team is playing. That division is playing well. If the Jets can figure out get it going in the right direction again, they'll be back up there. Um, and it's going to be hard in that AFC to even get in as a as a wild card team. There are too many good teams in that AFC right now. So I, I don't think they're a playoff team, and I think they are still a quarterback away from from being a good team. Not only a that, great team, Kerry, but I, I think. Their best offensive player is Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson. No doubt, he's their best weapon. When when he's he's a nice player, he is. But when he's your best weapon, you you've got some problems. Uh, well, yeah, but that, and that's not no, that's not a knock on Ramondre. Not at all. As a running back, he he catches the ball well out of the backfield. He blocks well. He runs the ball extremely well. But they don't have the playmakers on the outside to get the ball to guys that you can throw a five-yard, ten-yard hit, uh, five-yard hitch route, ten-yard curl route, and know that this guy's going to break a tackle and make an explosive play. Right. It has to be on the quarterback to throw the ball downfield for those guys to have explosive plays, 20, 25-plus plays, 25-yard-plus plays. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. And you can join in the holiday spirit by supporting this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts hosted by The Fast Lane and 101 ESPN. Donate at least $25 online now through this coming Monday, December 12th, to support the Little Bit Foundation. You'll receive your choice of either a Jamie Rivers or a Brad Thompson 101 jersey as a gift for your donation. Make your donation now during the Fastlane's 12 Days of T-Shirts campaign at 101ESPN.com. 12 Days of T-Shirts is powered by McBride Homes. How would you like to win some tickets for a Cardinal game in 2023? Let's do it. I don't think you can play. Oh, shoot. But we have somebody, one of our friends is going to win. Each day this week, 101 ESPN is your chance to score a Cardinals holiday ticket pack. Today's winner will receive a five-game Sunday pack for the Cardinals 2023 season. It features a pair of tickets for five Sunday Cardinals games, including a Cubs summer matchup and a great promotional giveaway game, too. St. Louis Cardinals holiday ticket packs start at just $54.00. And they're on sale now, including the Sunday pack at cardinals.com slash holiday. That's cardinals.com slash holiday. You can win that Cardinals holiday ticket pack now by texting us at 65780. Cardinals play the Cubs in London. They do. Yeah. Maybe we should... Do, sh- do some shows from up there? Yes. Uh, you're thinking, Carrie. You're thinking like a broadcaster now. I-, I like this a lot. This is good. Okay. This is a valuable item. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you on Albert Pujols' last home run against the Cubs, which was a Sunday afternoon of Labor Day weekend, what pitcher did the Cubs bring in to face Albert when he hit his last home run against the Cubs. Who was the pitcher that Albert ho- hit that home run a- against the Cubs off of to uh, win that Sunday game and uh, hit home run number 695? I believe that was the the guy. And we will take texter number 44. Texter number 44, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line. And if you can answer that question correctly, well, then you will win those uh, five, that, that five ticket pack, I'm sorry, uh, a five-game Sunday pack for the Cardinals, including Cubs games, in 2023. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. next up, the 49ers have lost their quarterback, but they've got another one on the way. Their beat writer for ESPN.com, Nick Wagner, our buddy, joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
Congratulations to Scott in St. Louis. He was the winner of the five-game Sunday pack for the Cardinals' 2023 season that includes a weekend against the Cubs. He knew that Brandon Hughes was the pitcher that Albert Pujols hit his last home run against the Cubs against. The San Francisco 49ers are headed towards their number three quarterback, and we wanted to talk about that with our friend Nick Wagner, who covers the 49ers for ESPN.com. He's the ESPN Nation reporter, and Nick is with us now from the Bay Area on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Nick, good morning. How are you doing? I'm good, guys. Just a uh, another day of quarterback drama by the Bay. It's just kind of what we do out here. All right, Nick, I, I laid this out for Kerry earlier. So you got a good-looking, likable number 10 who goes down, takes a hit, goes down, out for the year. So then oh, you get boy. a number 13 from Iowa. <laughs> to come in and replace that likable, handsome number 10, and you got a ton of weapons around him, you know what happens. You know the story, right? See, this is, this is why I needed to come on the show, because that was the uh, insight and perspective I hadn't considered yet, and I could only get that from you, from my guy Randy. So uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad that I'm here, but uh, I, I guess I'll have to look into like any of his like past employment, you know, with the grocery store situation. With uh, like, isn't that the next step, Randy? You, you're the you're the, yep. the, the guiding light on this. You're gonna have to tell me what I need to do. Yeah. So let's see if he made his way to the high V overnights. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's, I don't think we have high Vs out here. But what is the equivalent? Oh, I guess maybe in Iowa he could have. Exactly possibly. right. So, yeah, yeah. Hey Nick, what is the mood like with uh, Jimmy G going down? I mean, I, from from what we see, everyone on the team loves him. Uh, what is yeah. the mood like right now? Yeah, Kerry, you know what it's like in an NFL locker room, especially a game like that where it's a big win and arguably their best win of the season against the best opponent that they've beaten. Uh, but then you have kind of that bittersweet feeling, the mixed emotions of, you know, not only what happens to our season, but what happens to our friend. And Jimmy Garoppolo has been through this. This is the third time in five years that he's going to end the season on injured reserve. Uh, he's been through this a lot. They know that he can bounce back, but uh, it's even harder because as Randy points out, this is their third string quarterback. This isn't like they just lost one starter and now they're on to the backup and hoping they can hang on. And um, you know, that's pretty tough to overcome. So I think that's kind of the feeling here. I will say that I do feel, I get a sense of confidence still that the Niners are not out of this in their mind. They believe that they can still make a deep run here. And part of that is, of course, that this is a very defense-leaning uh, team. Uh, I, would, I would argue, guys, that Kyle Shanahan, amongst all the coaches in the NFL, is probably the least quarterback-dependent. Uh, and that's not to say quarterbacks don't matter for Kyle Shanahan, but I, I think that if you just look at his track record, some of the production he's been able to get out of guys, even Nick Mullins, who they didn't win a ton of games with, guys, but if you go back and look at the numbers in his first, I don't remember what the exact number was, his first number of starts, the only player who threw for more yards, Nick Mullins, in NFL history was Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so he can, he can create production. The question is, can he just keep them on schedule? Can he keep them ahead of the sticks? Can he not turn the ball over? A lot of the things that, frankly, they were going to ask Trey Lance to do, uh, aside from the running, is what they're going to ask Brock Purdy to do. Just don't be a hindrance to winning. Uh, make sure that he keeps them in position so that their defense can take over and some of their playmakers can make plays. Uh, when the game's on the line. It is a proverbial get the ball into the hands of the playmakers, right? Because they don't have a bad playmaker yeah. surrounding the quarterback. Correct, yeah. And that's that's the one thing that they've really got going for them. And, then, you know, the other day it was, it was fascinating watching the Dolphins just dial up zero blitz after zero blitz on Brock Purdy. I counted 13 blitzes on Purdy, and at least nine of them were zeros, uh, which you don't see a lot of teams just doing that. Uh, and he held, up, he held up pretty well. It took him a little bit to get adjusted, 
he made one play on a two-minute drive right before half where uh, he adjusted the route. He saw a side adjustment at the line of scrimmage with George Kittle where he caught a post route a little shorter, took a huge hit from a free runner and delivered it right on the money to Kittle. They'd go on to score a touchdown and take a lead uh, that they wouldn't relinquish. So those are the kinds of things that they're going to need him to do if they're going to be able to, to make a deep push here. And, and they, like I said, I think they're still confident that they think they can. Realistically, can they win a Super Bowl? I mean, probably not. You know, a rookie quarterback's never even been to a Super Bowl as a starter. Uh, but I guess there has to be a first time for everything. They, they're hoping that this will be the one. If I'm a 49ers fan, I'm, I'm pretty excited about what I saw because you think mm-hmm. about a guy that, that didn't get the amount of reps that Jimmy G got during practice, was able to stand in there, played pretty well. And you have to figure that going into this week, uh, going into the next game, he's going to have more opportunities at, at learning what what's going on, what the defense is trying to Definitely. do to him. So if I'm a, if I'm a 49ers fan and if I'm a 49er, I'm pretty excited about what I saw uh, on Sunday. Yeah, and to that point too, Kerry, I think that, you know, there's a couple of things that he does have going for him. Granted, you know, he's they call him Mr. Irrelevant or whatever because he was the last pick in the draft. But, you know, he has played – Fred Warner said it on Sunday, you know, Rock Purdy's played against the best defense in the league for 13 <laughs> straight weeks uh, in, in practice. Uh, you know, I like – that's the, the confidence of that defense right now. But they've earned that, right? They've, they've earned that the right to say that. Uh, so he's, he's had that going for him. The other thing is, is – He's had a lot of experience. He's a four-year starter at Iowa State. And so, you know, get, yes, the speed is different, All and they're going to mix things up and throw things at him. But you would think in four years of starting games in college, he would have seen a lot, uh, just from a schematic standpoint. That doesn't mean the talent level, of course, but just from a schematic standpoint. So if he can adjust to the speed of how those things develop, uh, you would think he's at least got a chance. But, again, they're not going to ask him to carry. They're not going to ask him to go out there and throw for 500 yards and carry the team to victory. It is take care of the ball, have a goose egg in the interception column, and then at the end of the day, see where things stand. You spoke about that defense, and D'Amico Ryan, the defensive coordinator, has those guys playing at an extremely high level. What are you seeing from him and from this defense? Yeah, the thing D'Amico has done really well, Kerry, is he's really got a good feel for when to mix up coverages and fronts and blitzes. And, you know, last year, they don't blitz a lot here, right? This is very much a, a, four, a front four-leaning defense. They're just going to let their guys pass rush and then let the back seven cover. But he has figured out kind of when to press the button, and you're seeing him do that against teams, you know, where Tua Tango-Viola, uh, for example, Tango-Viola uh, is a guy who has done very well against the blitz. And the Niners, I think, only blitz two or three times. But they got home every time because D'Amico pressed the right button and figured out where he puts me to come from and, and all those kinds of things. So that's one of the things he's doing really well is kind of mixing and matching. Part of that is, is they improved a lot at corner by adding for various word from Kansas City in the offseason. He's really stabilized that position, even though they've lost Emmanuel Mosley to the, to the season for uh, a season-ending ACL injury. So that's all part of it. The other thing, Kerry, that always jumps out to me, first of all, we all know Nick Bosa is one of the best defensive players in the league, probably one of the best players in the league, period. But their linebacking crew is as good as I've ever seen. Um, just sideline to sideline, run and hit, can cover. Fred Warner has 10 pass breakups this year, guys, which is the same amount guys like Jalen Ramsey, Darius Slay, Harrison Smith have. Um, just to give you an idea, the middle, the middle of the field is basically a no-fly zone, and that makes it pretty tough uh, to go against this defense. There are not many NFL players who dominate other human beings like Nick Bosa does. It's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? The, the way that he's going against really big, strong guys, but kind of tossing them around. Yeah, he's, you know, it was, it's fascinating, Randy. I always say, and you, you guys know this, I, I was blown away when Aaron Donald showed up in St. Louis for his first 
just rookie mini camp. You could just see even then without pads on that he was on a different level than everybody else. And the only other player I've ever seen who just right away from the moment they got there jumped out in that way was Nick Bosa. And it's a combination of things. It's obviously it's strength, it's speed, it's athleticism, but the technique is perfect. Uh, he and Joey train together in the offseason down in Florida every year. And I think it's interesting because they kind of have this Bosa special sauce where they're not sharing secrets. You know, the, the Von Miller has his pass rush camp every year. You know who, which two people who are top pass rushers are noticeable by their absence from that every <laughs> really? year? It's the Bosa's. Yeah, they, they, just, they just have their own, little, uh, their own little thing that they like to do, and they're not necessarily trying to share those secrets. I'm sure they do with their teammates. I know Nick does with his teammates here, tries to help them out. But uh, they, they train under Larry Johnson, who's the best defensive line coach in America at Ohio State. They lean into him. Their dad was a pass rusher. And um, all of that put together, I think, has put him in a position where I think you could argue that aside from maybe Micah Parsons in Dallas, he's the best defensive player in the league this year. And I remember distinctly, Nick Wagner, the the alacrity with which uh, Jeff Fisher got Aaron Donald into the lineup after we saw that with uh, with no pads, the dominance. He got him in by the sixth week. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. I was like, I was like, wait a minute, Randy Dieter got a faulty memory, which is almost never the case. Or this is going to end with a punchline, and I'm proud of you for going with the punchline there. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was an interesting one. That was one of those. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna work him in situationally because we've got Kendall Langford. Yeah, <laughs> you sure do. Hey, Nick, uh, Nick Bosa is sitting there with 14 and a half sacks. Is there any talks uh, about trying to go get that record, the all-time uh, sack season season sack you, record? It hasn't come up yet, Kerry, but I think that it's probably a realistic conversation. Now, the thing that works against him is is he missed a game and a half this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like Carolina. Uh, was the game that he got hurt, that groin injury, and then didn't play against Atlanta, which would have been two favorable matchups. I think he would have definitely got at least one against Carolina uh, and would have put him in a good spot. But, yeah, I mean, if he can go out there, you know, this week they play Tampa, that is an offensive line that we saw last night that struggles mightily. Now, Tom Brady is the best in the league at getting the ball out quick. I think he's got the quickest time to release in the league. But uh, favorable matchups. The other thing with Bosa that I should mention, guys, that helps him is, he has complete freedom to basically line up wherever he wants on any given play. So he can flip sides, left tackle, right tackle, it doesn't matter. He can bump inside sometimes. Having Eric Armstead back, who again probably doesn't get enough credit, uh, creates so many opportunities because he can take on multiple blockers. You know, there was one sack the other day, they ran that little game where Armstead bull rushes into two blockers and uh, Bosa loops around on the inside for a sec. So those kinds of things that he's got going for him. It's not completely out of the question, Kerry, but um, he's going to have to do some major work, get a couple another hat trick or two here along the way. Hey, Nick, uh, one last thing for those who haven't gone to ESPN.com and read your work. No Baker Mayfield for the 49ers, correct? It doesn't look that way. I, you know, I'm not going to completely rule it out. But Cal Shanahan's pretty transparent, pretty honest. And his answer yesterday when he was asked about it, basically he said, you know, we look into everything. That's kind of the standard answer. And then he said, I've always been a big fan of his, but I feel good with what we have. Uh, so I would suggest probably not. I think one thing that I know for sure that I can say, the 49ers don't think that even if they did put a claim in that he would make it to them. They're like 24th or 25th in the waiver order. So probably unlikely that that's a match. The other thing is, is 
Nick Bosa doesn't like Baker Mayfield. You guys remember? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I'm not sure it would be worth it to possibly disrupt some locker room dynamics for a guy who would be a backup because that's the one thing. Even if they do claim Mayfield and land in him, he would be the backup to Brock Purdy. They're they're set on moving ahead with Purdy right now. All right. Hey, uh, you just take that uh, Warner comparison as your own. If you feel free to use it. Uh, I pre- like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna call back after the show and and, and like <laughs> chart this out for me, Randy. Who do I need to talk to? Like, who are the Who are the managers at the high D in Iowa? Uh, you know all that all that kind of stuff. What are the, What are the specific things that Kurt was stocking at the grocery store? Exactly. I know you know all that stuff. <laughs> exactly, wouldn't forget it. Nick, it's always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, guys. See you later. See you. That's the great Nick Wagner. Great work at ESPN.com covering the 49ers. And there's always a story around the 49ers. It is. There's always something going on. They've, they they have come back and, and made a run here in, in this NFC West. And they look like they're going to win the division. Uh, we'll see what Brock Purdy can do. And Go. see if he can take them to the playoffs and Go win Brock. games. Yeah, just get some games. Some games. Just win the division. Yeah. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. We're going to head down the stretch towards BK and Ferrario with What's on Tap next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio, and gentlemen, there are 13,000 college football players in America. This morning, we passed 1,000 in the transfer portal, and there are projections that as many as 3,000 or 3,500 of the 13,000 college football players will wind up in the transfer portal. 10 to 20%? Yeah, last year was 1,946 scholarship players. So here's the thing, and, and the transfer portal is a, is a wonderful tool. Uh, it is a great op- option and opportunity for kids. But it is important to remember that the grass is not always greener on the other side. So if you are starting at a Power 5 school, a starter, which means you are playing other Power 5 schools, which means you are you you are having the opportunity to be scouted by NFL teams because they are watching these Power 5 schools and these these group of 5 schools as well, but mm-hmm. they are watching all of you all play. It doesn't make a lot of sense if you are a starter to transfer to another Power five school. I, that's just my personal opinion. Now, there are obviously certain situations where, you know, maybe you're not getting the playing time. Maybe you're not getting the opportunities and you do transfer and you want an, a better opportunity at another school. That's you. You are well within your right. You may also realize that when you enter this transfer portal that nobody wants you. Yeah. And maybe that's why you're not playing at the school that you're at now. And so you have to take a real Look at yourself, your ability, and you have to have real honest people around you. And and that's the one thing that I give to my 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 kids at the high school that I coach. I tell them the truth. And if they don't like it, they don't have to like it. But what I what I also tell them is, you know, when you're 25, when you're 30 years old, don't lie. Don't go around telling your friends, Coach Davis hated on me. No, you didn't work hard. You didn't do your schoolwork. You didn't do the things that were required to get recruited to go to college. And maybe you just were not good enough. And that's a real possibility as well. So, you know, all of these things, you have to have honest people around you. And some of these kids are getting bad information mm-hmm. and making really bad decisions with their life. And I don't expect most 18 to 21-year-old college football players to be self-aware. And that's why where you said what what people need is people around them that will tell them things they don't want to hear. Yes. Because not everybody, well... 
Of those 13,000 players, how many are going to wind up in the NFL? 1%. Exactly. 1%. Yeah. So uh, people have to, players have to understand that there is value in, there's still value in getting that free education that you're playing football to get. That is the ultimate value. That is the thing that is going to unlock so many doors for you because, as you said, Randy, majority of those kids are not going to go to the NFL, and they hold on to that dream, that aspiration, as well you should. Yeah, I, I don't want anyone to to tell you you can't mm-hmm. make it or you can't do it, but there has to come a point where you look around and you have to realize the landscape of what's going on around you. You have to understand. I had a realization when when I was in Pittsburgh and Bruce Arian said, hey, uh, you want to be the starting fullback or do you want to be the third string tailback fighting fighting for the third string mm-hmm. tailback spot? Hmm. Well, that doesn't sound like a like, like it sounds pretty logical to me. It, it you have to be aware of who you are, where you are, and as again, you have to have people around you that are that are able to tell you the truth about yourself. And that's what I love about what Dion did. People will will harp on, oh, that's rude, that's mean. He's telling those kids to enter the transfer portal. No, what he told them was, if you don't want to work. If you don't mm-hmm. want to be here and do the things that are going to be required, we're going to try to get you to run up, up out of here because we're going to run you. We're going to work hard, and there are going to be people that do not want to be here. And if you don't want to be here, that's fine. That's why the transfer portal is there. Those that want to work, those that want to be champions will stay. And I want those kids in my program. I don't want you other ones around me. And 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 for me – that is what football should be. You should have guys that want to work, that want to be a part of it. If you don't, go ahead. But understand, you're not going to have opportunities. You may not have as many opportunities as you think you will have. Do you think it'll be there would be any value at all to moving the transfer portal back from December 5th to January 5th? Uh, I don't think it. I don't think it matters. You're going to have the same number of kids. The only if you do that. But I, I'm just talking about if college football for bowl games. Well, if those kids know they're entering the transfer portal, they're not going to participate. Anyway. Yeah, they're not because if you know you're going to enter the transfer portal, what don't you want to be? You don't want to be hurt. You don't want people mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, that guy got hurt in the bowl game." I'm not taking him. I'm going to take another kid. So it doesn't really matter when the transfer portal opens. Those kids are jumping in there head first, not even checking to see if it's water in the pool, Randy. They, they're just <laughs> d- diving in, and, and some of them are, are realizing that, you know, it's not as good as they thought it would be. We've got a hump day tomorrow. Looking forward to that. We've also got our uh, our work Christmas party over at the main event later on. So we you might find me there if there's free food. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Uh, Matthew seems to have forgotten that that's in, in I existence. forgot about that yesterday. Is it today? Uh, yes, and, yeah, and, and, oh, yeah we're going to get, get some food. Yeah, free food. I was just yeah. I was literally sitting here planning. I'm like, what, what am I going to eat after the show today? Uh, w- noon to four. Mm. Maybe I. Maybe I. Stop by. Maybe. <laughs> great, great job today by our producer engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Whole hour just flew by. Whole extra hour just flew by. Flew Randy, by. pleasure. Don't tell glad, glad to help out. Yeah, thank you. CD? Appreciate it. <laughs> and we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. 
TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.